Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the obelisk. How is everybody doing? You never answer me. You, you never answer me. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Anyway. I'm Hey Dave. Alright, so tonight's guest is David Whitehead. He's born in Calgary, Alberta, and currently residing in British Columbia. Davis is, David is a full-time martial arts instructor and entrepreneur, as well as a passionate and dedicated coach in the holistic health and wellness field. He's also an independent truth seeker and researcher and runs his own radio show called Truth Warrior, which is centered around his own personal quest to seek out the answers to many of the challenging questions of our times. How's that for an intro? <laughs> you wrote it. I took it off your Facebook page, so your wife wrote it. <laughs> so how you been? Yeah. Hold hold on. Hold hold on, hold on. I got that thing going on again. Uh, I'm live, but you're not. Still Mercury retrograde, if anyone I think we are. Cool I've been having yeah. weird problems. Too. All right, I think it's good now. So yeah. with sleep, though, and I just heard you mention it in one of your shows. Had, is this normal for you to have strain? Are you having erratic sleep patterns in general lately since all of this has gone down? Were you a normal, did you have normal cycles before all of this crazy lockdown shift and everything that's happening? And, oh, you're asking me? Um, yeah. yeah, my sleep actually has been pretty good. It's always nice to have a good indica on hand or some CBD. Yeah, oh sure. yeah. <laughs> um, but I've been, I had only an issue sleeping maybe about three years ago. And it was when I was just overly stressed out about my work. You know how sometimes you just get sucked into your work so much that you can't turn your mind off. You just can't turn it off no matter what you yeah. do. It just stays yeah. on, runs in the background. And at that time, I wasn't doing as much breathing work and I wasn't training as often as I usually was. And I was kind of letting things pile up. And that's when I had like a good solid two months of sleep issues. And then I... I don't know, just started switching it around, just switching up my schedule, switching up my diet a little bit, switching up my workout routine. And then suddenly sleep came back and I've been rocking it pretty good. But I will say during this lockdown, it's been a lot of like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And then you're like, oh, I better go to bed. I better stop reading stuff. Yeah. In the wee hours. Yeah. Wee hours. You just end up creeping and going later and later and you get your days <laughs> and nights back. And then you start reading, you start drifting off in these weird places. You just never needed to go anyways. You're right. like, what am I, what am I doing on this? Web? <laughs> it's almost like, uh, I know for me, <clears throat> it used to be like this for me where I would just, I didn't want to go to sleep because I felt I was going to miss something or I could learn more if I stayed awake. So I would just keep watching shit and you get this feeling of, oh, I got to stay awake. But yeah, no, not anymore. <laughs> I can barely watch TV for an hour before I fall asleep. So, yeah. yeah no, I've got Programming that puts me right out mm -hmm. for sure. Oh. Just put on like a Marvel movie and I'll be asleep <laughs> in 10 minutes. Marvel? So many laser guns <laughs> going off in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put on like, like an old 
an old guy doing a presentation on biology or something and then yeah. just, or an old theologian theological debate between two seminarians or something oh, wait now see i would perk up over this i'm not much of a nerd yeah i'm more like you know put on tim pool and i'll fall asleep right away <laughs> right yeah, I, yeah I love yeah. tim pool i'm not saying yeah yeah, yeah. There are some people that their voice, their voice does it all, right? Like for me, it's Richard Dolan. Mm. He's yes. the guy that I love listening to. He's a smart guy. He's a buddy of mine. I've known him for years, but uh, he's just got that calm, soothing voice that I'm just like, he talks about, he talks about UFO history stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it puts me to sleep and I fall asleep <laughs> hearing about, you know, Rendlesham Forest. <laughs> then you get programmed. <laughs> You're seated then. I'm seated. It's all subconscious. Oh my God, I'm programming myself. That's not good. <laughs> Aren't we always? Aren't I think always? if you're aware of it, it doesn't take, so you're good. No, no. Well, and it's different every night. I, I listen to different stuff all the time. So I try to keep it, I try to shake it up. Otherwise you get stuck in the mud. Yeah. It's really hard to listen to politics these days because it's so polarized and, and nauseating, to be honest. Well, the, the fights about it. That's why I like philosophy, because then you can just sort of yes. float above and go, wow, yes. look at that going yeah. on down there. And you know what? There's things on that side that I agree with and things on that side I agree with, but I still get to stay kind of objective as a free thinker. And that's yes. how I like to look at it. And sometimes I'm on team blue and sometimes I'm on team red. It depends yeah. on the issue. Same here. Yeah, that's exactly how I've always uh, found. Uh, this is something we have in common with the martial arts training. It's always been like, that's the center line. Right. I'm wondering with all that though, is there, have you found yourself at like, say in the wee hours or having not had enough sleep has with the craziness that is all coming down. And then of course, being in the circles you're in and talking to the people you talk to, we also talk to, has there been any amount of, uh, and I'm, I'm definitely talking in these intimate wee hours when, when you may not be centered, have you felt any paranoia over this global situation? I've had a few experiences like that, Nish. I've, I definitely have. And I, what I do at that point is I go, that's my wall. And I have learned over the years that that's where I put it down and I switch it up and I go watch some jujitsu videos or I go and play some piano or I go, uh, you know, read a book that's not related to any of this stuff. Um, I've gotten good at being able to pull myself out because it's happened and it's normal. I mean, when you're looking into some of the darkest things that you can imagine, um, and I, I definitely switch up what I research, but you know, right now we're looking at some pretty scary things and, um, it's, it's impossible to not feel that, but when you get obsessed with it and you don't also realize that, Hey, this is a duality. There's a lot of good things that are happening as well. And there's so many elements to life. Life is multidimensional. And so it's important to, for me, you brought up the martial arts. That's what always kept me centered was the principles that I learned there was all about making sure you're staying in balance and in your center and that there's different ways you can test to see when you're out of that balance and out of that rhythm. And the feedback is exactly like what you're saying. You know, if you feel like you're getting edgy, maybe I'm being a little bit edgy with my kids or something. And I'm like, Hey, mm -hmm. what the hell is wrong? It's they're, they're fine. Why am I overreacting? You know, these are signs that I'm maybe not pulling my head out of the game enough. So I have a motto, I have a motto and it's when I'm on, I'm on. And when I'm off, I'm off. So when I need to be on and I need to be in the game and engaged and researching and taking notes and creating presentations and editing videos and you know, all the stuff that you guys do too. 
um, I'm in it. I'm in it a hundred percent. I devote every part of myself to it. And then when I'm off, it's like switch. And now I go play with the kids. Now I go out and go to the beach or do whatever I got to do. And, um, it's not perfect, but it's better than it used to be. That's for sure. With, with all that said, what, what do you think, what's your general pulse on everything as far as the barometer of where we're heading? Because there's now, of course, states here in the United States are closing up again. We see other countries doing it. And then, you know, they seeded from the beginning, the second wave in September and all this. And of course, I know that you talk on these subjects, the whole the whole AI system is rolled into this. So I'm wondering where do you see this headed right now as, as, as we stand? Wow. Uh, yeah. Let's start at the beginning. So the way I started looking at all this, like, cause I've been researching these for subjects for a while, uh, just trying to look at an alternative viewpoint for the world. Like we get stuck at, at looking at only certain areas of information and intel and those are the things that feed in and build our belief systems and it's very rare that we look outside of that right we we go with what we we're told in history class in school and we don't question it we go with what the media has been saying on 17 different news channels so it must be true we don't question it we talk to our neighbors and our friends they repeat those same inputs of information and we again are reinforced in just looking at the world in one way I noticed this at a younger age. I had some amazing people around me and I also was homeschooled. I didn't have a traditional education. And during that homeschool period, um, I ended up taking care of my mother who was ill at the time. So it wasn't always like sitting there reading, the, doing the book work. I had to do a lot of that book work on my own and uh, learn how to be independent. And so that's what framed the way I look at things. And I just wanted to build that as a premise before I share what I think, because I want to always say, I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy who's curious about this stuff. I put a lot of time and energy into it and I have a unique view of the way I see the world and it often doesn't match what you know, you're gonna get from the mainstream sources. So that said, um, I believe it's valuable to have different perspectives. So um, when someone looks at this pandemic lockdown, like I was just talking to somebody recently who was flipping out because she's like, like at least 80% of the people that are in the grocery stores are not wearing masks. Like, do they not, do they, do they just not know or, or are they stupid or are they crazy or whatever? And you, you have these conversations with people that are kind of still there, you know, they're still in that fear-based, Oh my God, this is Ebola. We're all going to die. We need to lock the world down. Like they're the people that believe in this. Right. And I think of it. Okay. We can look at it at like that. We can say, all right, there was a virus came from China, unknown origins, swept the globe. We didn't know enough about it. So we locked everything down. And then all of a sudden things start to shift when you realize when we started learning more about this, we still kept measures in place as if the information didn't just change. You know what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden we got more data. We started realizing that there were problems with the fatality numbers. There were problems with the testing. There was problems with um, how there wasn't actual scientific debate in the scientific and medical communities about this. There was just a corralling of a, a, a few groups of people that work for very powerful organizations that were handpicked that base everything on computer models. And then there were all these renegades, which are now in the thousands all around the world of doctors, medical journalists, and experts from various fields 
that disagree with the standard status quo measures that are being used for this virus, right? So then you immediately start to go, well, isn't this about science and truth and journalism? Wouldn't that be what we would want during a crisis like this? We would want to have all the information possible. So if group of scientists A is saying one thing, and then we're building policy off of that, and then group of scientists B says something completely different and is warning about what scientist group A is saying as being actually more dangerous, wouldn't you want to have like a pay-per-view event where you have all these guys sitting there debating it and presenting all the evidence so that we could come upon the truth? When you don't see that and you actually see a campaign of censorship against scientist group B um, who come from all walks of medical backgrounds and have all kinds of different experience, both on the ground and epidemiology and all that kind of stuff. And instead, they're just censored. They're not talked to. The media is actually now out there with the fact-checking websites and the, you know, the shaming and all of that. And you start to realize there's something else going on. And I mean, I've known there's always, there's something going out, something else going on for quite some time, but a lot of people don't know that. And they don't know that there were a lot of things happening before the lockdown, before this whole thing swept the globe, the hidden enemy, as they call it, before this thing swept the globe, there was a lot of other things happening in the political world and the social world and et cetera. And when you realize that all that stuff didn't just go away when this virus broke and the lockdown happened, all that stuff actually continued. And we started to notice at the very least that there were certain agencies, groups, and organizations that started to take advantage of the situation so that they could push their political agenda. And I don't think you'll talk to average people right now at this stage. I'm hoping at this stage, they're with me so far. You know what I mean? Like if I pause right now and ask both of you, does anything I say sound like it's wild conjecture and crazy conspiracy theory? No, but of course we've, we're on board, period. Right, right. <laughs> but I'm saying this because I guess what it is, is I talk to people, I talk to people like yourself, so you guys kind of know what's up. A lot of people out there still don't. And there's a danger if we don't have some kind of mass awareness. So I guess I'm hoping people watching this show, maybe there'll be people from all different sides and maybe this will at least help you understand at least what I think for what it's worth, right? And what I've tried to do as I've rolled out these different storylines and trying to figure it out is I've tried to document it all the way. So you go into my shows, I provide show notes and, and you know documents. So at least people can look into it for themselves, right? But I would say to bring it all back to your question, Nish, which was a good one, is if you realize that this lockdown and this virus was just one little piece of a puzzle, of a bigger puzzle that's been going on for probably the last 70 or more years, I could probably take it further, but let's just start there, where there has been political agendas that are written down, that are documented, that are admitted, and now they're almost bragged about, that this is where we're going, and I'll get to that in a second, about wanting to centralize power in the world, to centralize the global economy, to centralize governance. And for example, we have recent announcements, and they've been talking about this for a long time, but recently they're really going for it. The UN has been talking about setting up a world parliament. We have a world parliament that's being proposed to the world as a solution to the virus. Now, the interesting thing that I would bring in is because I've been following this thread for a while and I watch all the boring UN live streams and all those, you know, try to get as much perspective as I can. They've been calling for this world parliament on the back of every crisis we've had for the last 60, 70 years, especially the climate issue, 
Uh, now it's on the racial inequality issue, the social inequality issue. It's on the virus issue. It's on they're like, there's so many reasons guys that we need to funnel more power and money into the hands of very few people in, in Davos, Switzerland or wherever, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, and other places in the world. We need to centralize power and control there and give it over to this very small group of people who are the new priest class of the modern world. And when I started to see in this whole discussion, and I, I know what I'm saying might sound like I'm being dramatic, but I'm actually underplaying what's being suggested, okay? And there's websites you can go to. I'm sure you guys have covered this, but I'll just say it for newbies. You can go to the UN. You can read about Agenda 21, 2030. I think that's what this is about. I'll just say it flat out. Um, and I think that there is also the World Economic Forum's recent announcement of the Fourth Industrial Revolution and the Great Reset, as they're calling it. They're like, oh, it's just perfectly timed that this is the great opportunity during this entire crisis scenario that we're going to propose a solution that just so happens to be a world government system. Never let a crisis go to waste. Exactly. Yeah. So in some senses, I would say it's a never let a crisis go to waste. In another sense, I could make a really good argument that you can also manufacture crisis in order to make sure that there's no possible way that they'll go to waste. Sure. So it's, got, ways looking at it, right? it's got that Hegelian dialectic thing. Yes. vibe to it it totally does and uh we should also mention the rockefeller's lockstep operation lockstep oh yeah that's the good stuff see that <laughs> so then dude you're there so jerry was was this how you get to, like okay let me ask you this did you know about lockstep before this did no. you get into it then or did you find out during the lock i found out during this but i was well aware of 20 of an agenda 21 and 2030 right. okay I was aware of lockstep before this it was I, when, when I, I, found, I actually posted that document it was when I found out about uh, the event 201 after okay, yeah. the lockdown started that I found lockstep and all that. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, it's the blueprint sorry, for Nish, what's happening. Wanna, Nish, you, you said something there and it kind of cut off where you, you were talking. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd been talking lockstep for a minute and had posted the actual document to my Twitter page, I believe. Oh, good. Yeah. It's out there for people to read. Exactly. Th oh, this yeah. is not conspiracy theory. This no. is not conjecture. This is not wild speculation. This is being announced and it's being confirmed and they're doubling down on it. And that's what was crazy for me uh, was I started to go because I've been I've been probably looking into this for about, I'd say, 18 years. Like I, I, I was it was probably in the early 2000s when I started getting into people like Giro Griffin and some of these other people just to learn about the financial structures. And that it always had a passionate interest in learning about religion and mythology, like comparative religion mythology, because I was just curious about it. You know, what forms the ideas of the world? What, why do we invest all of our beliefs in one thing over another? And it just started this whole study where when you start looking down one of these rabbit holes, another one appears and you start to see patterns, right? And, um, you know, when you, when you look at what they're declaring, it is a very similar thing to the argument that the Vatican made uh, you know, how many centuries ago that we needed a, a universal order and we needed to install something like Unum Sanctum, which was a papal bull that essentially claimed ownership over all the living souls on the earth. And so think about that. If you look into, and this is just for people watching, here's a very interesting comparative research thing to do. Go look up Unum Sanctum and study the history of the Vatican. And I've got a boatload of sources for you. And it can give you mainstream sources and alternative sources as well. 
and then a simultaneous go study the rise of the Rockefeller Institute, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, get into that stuff, and then you'll end up at the doorstep of the UN, the WHO, the World Economic Forum, John Hopkins University. And if you bring it all up to the present day, you have now this, this is where I started too when I was covering this to, I don't even know how many months it's been. I feel like I've lost time. But how, whenever this started, I was going back and forth to LA to shoot for Unexplained. And I, it was like early February, like uh, January, February was when I was going. And right, I was like sitting in my hotel, I remember it. And the, the, they were doing a live stream from the World Health Organization and they started announcing that this virus wasn't just happening in China, it was starting to move to the West. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And it was almost like, as soon as I got back, somebody sent me the event 201 thing. And they said, look at this event. And I didn't even look at it because I just, I don't know why I didn't look at it. And then all of a sudden the whole thing rolled out, the lockdown happened. And I remembered this person sent me this thing. So I went to look at it and watch it. And sure enough, you go to the thing, there's a website, there's a whole thing. You can go watch the videos in October of 2019. They did this event 201 and it was sponsored by John Hopkins university. Well, they were the ones that put on the event and it was requested by some interesting players, such as the World Health or uh, the World Economic Forum, who just announced the Great Reset and the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who are uh, peddlers of all kinds of pharmaceutical things, and all you know, we can get into Bill Gates, um, but he definitely benefits from the sale of vaccines, and he's the one saying that in order to get out of this crisis, we need to vaccinate the entire world. Okay, um, so he was part of this drill of this pandemic. And then the Rockefeller Institute was also involved and some other players, okay? And it's interesting, the Rockefeller Institute was involved because when, what Jerry's bringing up with Lockstep, I think that was back in uh, 2006, if I'm not mistaken, that that was released? That 2010. Document. Oh, 2010, okay. There's probably other Rockefeller docs in 2006, maybe that's, but anyways, 2010, Lockstep. And uh, when you just start looking at that, and that's what I started doing in my video logs, I would go, hey guys, look at this, go to this site, read this, check it out. And then I would keep, and I kept covering it. And it got to a point where this was spiraling so deep into the lockdown. And I started seeing all the signs of the governments announcing around the world, no matter where you were, the same policies. I went, okay, there's no coincidence that Australia is announcing the same thing as Canada and that Canada is announcing the same thing as New Zealand. What the hell? And then you go and you realize, oh, right, it's all being done. They're all getting the recommendations from the WHO. So then I went down the who rabbit hole and who's the who, who the hell is the who? And you just connect all those dots and you, you know, and we can talk about that if you want. Um, oh yeah. We definitely want to get that into this since we just made that big move. Yeah. Go right ahead. We don't care. Yeah. Well, it, it all connects, you know, it all connects. And uh, I feel like I'm like that guy. I don't know what the show was where he's like with the yarn and he's making all the connections. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I sometimes oh, feel God. like that guy. When I'm surprised that show has not had like, hit been hit by cancel culture. It's uh <laughs> it's grandfathered in. <laughs> oh, did we yes, yes. Um, so where was I? Yeah, so basically the connections were that for me was I thought it was interesting that the same players, organizations, and people who've been calling for these world government structures and we need to unify the world under this one. It's almost like they want to create this new religion or something, this new cult, this new, uh, this new way of living for everybody. And, and they've been pitching this forever. And then 
they've been always trying to completely erode the concept of having a nation state. So having a state that, you know, where the power is closer to the population of people, it's still corrupt and we still got to work on it. But at least with your government, you should have a structure theoretically where you can go to a local government, you can go to a provincial or state government, you have a federal government, you know, and you can hopefully do some work in those channels. But look at what, look at how bad that is. And you're not even that far removed from that power structure. What if you create an interlaced power structure that's run centrally and controlled from somewhere in Switzerland or on the moon or wherever the hell it's going to be? And by people we know, didn't elect either. By people we didn't elect. Like, think of how the EU is structured. Think of how the world, who got the leader, Tedros, into the lead chair of the World Health Organization? China. China. China got him the vote. And specifically, the CCP party of China, okay? Who is, and all, they're also on the, uh, the, huma- the humanitarian board of the UN or something, China. So yes. anyways. Um, <laughs> of all of, of all, all countries. Co- yeah. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the government, the, the, yeah. the well, problem that's entities in there. In the themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So, so when you realize that there are groups on the, there are people, okay, just like religions, just like those Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on your door, trying to recruit you to this idea because they want to save you. They have a vision for you that they're like, what you're doing right now isn't good enough. You, I need to save your soul. And the only way I can save your soul is if you swear on this book that now you're a Jehovah's Witness or whatever it is and pick any religion. There are people that have their own religion and it also intertwines into po- politics and finance. And so if we're not watching that and saying, you know what, I don't really agree with that. I don't think that we should be, that government should have so much power where they have the ability to lock me in my home indefinitely um, and to censor me from speaking freely if I have a question or I I have a different way of looking at something or censor experts who come out with different data than the government scientists do. Um, I don't think that, you know what I mean? Like we get to that point where here in the West, we're now really, we're watching all of our, uh, rights and constitutions crumbling apart, there's a reason why. And it's not just because of incompetence. A lot of people like to go there. They like to go, oh, well, it's just because they're all stupid idiots. They're all a bunch of jackasses. They don't know what they're doing. And it's like, well, they're smart enough to build an entire global infrastructure that you don't even know exists that runs and manages every fine detail of your life. And they Mm want to kick it up a notch. So there's that, right? Did you, you, sorry. No problem. So you look at all that putting together and you realize, okay, um, all this stuff that we've been hearing about that just was put to the back fringes of conspiracy and rumor and conjecture. And, you know, there's all that stuff that we didn't want to hear about. Um, now it's coming into fruition for everybody to see. And it is blatantly obvious. And so many people that I know that would have never even touched Agenda 21 or the UN or the global government thing or whatever, they wouldn't have touched it they're now on board. And even radio hosts that I've known for a long time, who I really respected maybe because they did a really good job on philosophy or they did a good history, whatever. Now they're suddenly out there going, guys, you got to go read this Agenda 21 thing and this World Economic Forum thing. Like, and you're like, wow. So that's the positive lining here is that as I was going through this track and covering it on my channel, I started to realize they're putting their foot on the gas pedal because they're desperate, because people were starting to really see through what was going on. And that's why we're seeing the narrative change really quick, back and forth. It's, oh, it's the coronavirus. Now it's the murder hornets. Now it's the race wars. Now it's this statues being torn down, back to coronavirus, wave two. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now it's the number of cases. 
Skyrocket. of hand. Yes, yeah, suddenly we're not the crazy ones anymore. And if it couldn't get any worse, did you see what happened in Australia it's, today? Although we never have been. Sorry. No. That was a wild cluster. We all roboted on my end at the same time. It was just oh, yeah. No, in was Australia. It just me? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Australia Australia locked down a public housing unit. I have to look up the numbers. It was either 500 or 5,000 people got locked in and can't leave their house for 5 days until they're all tested. So yeah, the, it looks like wow. a psych ward, like going through with the police. The images are scary yeah. and the nurses. Those Aussies, man, you got to wake up. Australia, you're just like Canada in a lot of ways where most people there are sadly fast asleep. But at the same time, you also have some of the best researchers there in Australia. There's some great people there that are there trying to raise the alarm bell. So shout out to Australians don't lose your freedom now. I don't care how afraid you are of this virus. You need to do some research. You need to think about this and listen to your intuition because it, it, is, it is not acceptable to trade all of your freedoms to that level just because we're afraid of a 0.002% fatality rate virus where none of the information we've gotten from the beginning has lined up and there's a gazillion contradictions that I could spend this entire podcast rolling out. So we can't do that. And I'd say the same to Canadians. I was just at a, we had Canada Day here or Dominion Day. Um, and I went down to the local parliaments and saw, you know, the Black Lives Matter Antifa crowd come in and try to crash the party. But then I saw this big, massive movement of Canadians who are part of this group called Unify the People, where they're trying to stop the discussion. They have people that are from all races, all the genders, uh, you know, everybody's there because they are under, they're coming together under the common purpose of we want to know the truth and we want to protect our freedom. We should be able to stay safe and keep our freedom intact at the same time. And if you're not proposing policies that reflect that, we have the right to ask questions and you're not going to silence us. And that's what has to happen around the world. And you go, it is happening. So I'm very sad to hear about that, Jerry, about Australia. I mean, my God, what are, they, what are we doing? This is getting out of hand. How is it okay that I can go to Costco right now, which I've now just completely been like, I'm never going to Costco again. I, I can go to Costco right now and I can stand in a parking lot like a, like a sheep in all these different rope lines with like 172 people. And that's okay. Um, and we've had how many days and waves and waves of that every day at all these stores. And there's not this Ebola-like, you know, bodies in the streets, everybody's dying. So if that's okay, but Joe's fish and tackle shop up the road is not okay because everybody's going to die. If people go to Joe's fish and tackle shop, where you can only probably fit like four people in there. Why is that guy's business closed? And on and on we could go, why is my dojo closed where I was helping empower young people so that they wouldn't contemplate suicide. And I was working with soldiers who were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and that I was the only thing that was helping them. And now they have to go back on medications like lithium and, you know, are probably drinking themselves. And I just got word of, you know, some horrible things that have been going on. A friend of mine in New Zealand um, recently committed suicide. Another one that I know in Australia, you know, and it's just, what are we doing? At what cost are we, are we giving up everything that it means to be human? What are we protecting? What are we protecting? Well, we're going to bubble wrap the world forever. Every time there's a flu, we're going to do this. What are we saving? What kind of life are we going to have if we're living like, like we're in matrix pods? That's just not realistic. And this is coming from, it was like C.S. Lewis. He said, I'd rather have, if I had to pick dictatorships, I'd rather have a dictatorship of brute force 
versus those people who are trying to come in and uh, they're the do-gooders of the world who actually yeah, yeah. get a worse hell because yes. at least the brute becomes obvious after a while. But the do-gooders get to hide behind, I'm out there doing good. Why are you, why are you mad at me? It's like, well, hey, you're, you're stripping down what it means to be human and taking all our freedoms away to stop the flu from getting, like, come on, it's getting ridiculous. Sorry, I'm ranting. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And um, I wanted to touch back on, you said living in pods and that whole thing. That underneath all of this is the whole transhumanistic agenda or transhumanist mm -hmm. agenda, I th yes. in my mind, which I think somehow feeds into the fourth industrial revolution. That's an underlying facet of that whole program as well. Yes. Which I don't know much about, and I'd love to hear your take on it. Sure. If, if you don't mind ranting on that for a few minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, this is one of the coolest, chillest podcasts I've been on in a while. So just shout out to you guys. This is great. Yeah, thanks thank for you. coming on. <laughs> um, even though we're talking about super serious stuff, we're having fun doing it. That's right. Um, so yeah, the transhumanist. Well, think about that word, transhuman. Transhuman. We're transiting from being a certain kind of human into a new human, a human 2.0. And there's been a lot of uh, science fiction, a lot of Stephen King books, a lot of uh, you know films and movies that have warned us about this since the '60s. You know, go back to the show, the movie The Prisoner. Just go watch that show. Sorry, the show, the British television show, The Prisoner, with Patrick McGowan. Uh, it's what we based the entire Unslaved podcast on, by the way. And people should check that out. Unslaved.com. Just do a little shameless plug there. Um, but love yeah. Patrick McGowan. <laughs> he, can we resurrect him? I mean, the man. Yes, is, People, should, we need to share his videos and, and his shows. And what it, you know, think about all this stuff. Uh, where it's, it's this idea. Uh, Erich Fromm also said he was a psychoanalyst. He said, "The future, uh, it's not going to be man being a slave. It's going to be man being a robot." And uh, what that is is like a slave 2.0. It's an upgraded slave because they realize that if you if you have to whip and chain and torture people, there's only so much you can get them to do. They're only going to be so productive. Fear only motivates to a certain degree, right? So if you want to make major changes in society, you kind of need everybody to go in lockstep with your plan, right? Um, so you do that by understanding psychology and mass psychology. And when you realize that, you know, there's been an attack on the culture in free societies where there's been infiltrations happening, especially in the West by all kinds of forces that have their own agendas to try to tear the fabric of Western society apart and Western society being not just white people. That's where people get it wrong. It's, it's the concept. It's the principle of freedom and how can we have freedom and prosperity? And, you know, through that means, can we achieve more equality and all these things? So there's been elements eroding that. And through that erosion, we've seen mental health crisis grow up. People are less and less engaged with nature. People are less and less engaged with thinking in a way that helps them um, be put at ease about the question of life and death, nature of good and evil, all the philosophical, religious type stuff. We've moved away and into the world of science. Science rules, right, Bill Nye? Science rules and science is going to be the dictatorship of the future, as Aldous Huxley, Huxley predicted and many others. And sure enough, who are calling the shots? <laughs> who? Who are calling the shots? And saying that every other way of looking at the world is wrong and only one way is correct. And you can take the climate debate about as an example, you can take the, all the different, the way the industry is going, the economy, the debates about the economy, um, 
you know, the, the debates about politics to see that that's where that shift has, has been coming back to this religious concept being put in front of people as science. It's consensus science where you can't question it and you can't challenge it. And as we've slowly started to accept this moral relativist stance, this looking at the world as mechanical and physical only, uh, looking at the brain as just this computer and therefore the human being a computer, the philosophy of a computerized universe, and it's, you know, the universe is just a hologram projected from some supercomputer in some unknown dimension. You know, this, this actually comes from Gnosticism and some of the ancient cults from the ancient world. And um, so these old philosophical religious ideas have essentially been re-scripted for the modern time and the modern mind and the language of technology. And so as we've gotten eased into that and we've put away the old because all the, we put all the old people in the old folks' homes, especially now, just to make sure that they don't live because this is what's happening. Uh, there's a good video actually Dr. Vernon Coleman does uh, called Elders Lives Matter. And I recommend everybody go check that out. But, oh, yeah. Um, you I, want Soylent Green. It's the, it's the homes. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Put them in homes. Keep them there. Uh, we don't want to hear what the old people have to say. They have old ideas. They're outdated. They're the old iPhones. They're before the iPhone. So we, they're not even looked at as being respectable, right? This is how our society, I'm not saying this is what I believe. I believe the opposite. I believe we should listen to our elders. They have a story to tell us that we should hear, right? Um, yes. And, and, and so we get rid of the old and we bring in the new. And it's the new world. And it's the new world order, right? It's this new thing. Everything's new. You just got a new update on your phone. Don't worry, your phone is now tracking everything you do, and it's sending that information to very responsible people so that they can make sure that you're safe. <laughs> sure, right? sure it is. <laughs> but this is, this is the story we started to believe. And so now we're getting fused to this phone, and this phone is our life, man. And even what I do, I use this phone so much, I try to make sure I put it away as much as I can, yeah. um, even though it's a valuable tool, right? Uh, and that's a good example to say as I kind of roll out the transhumanism thing as I see it. Um, I'm not against technology. I think all the technology that's being rolled out could be used for good and it could be used in a way that could promote freedom, but also uh, free up some time for us to do other things like fine, I'm, I'm up for that. But if this is something about being inauthentic, avoiding selfhood, avoiding connection with our family, with our community, with our nation, with our planet, with nature in general, and to just get absorbed into a hologram, that's an illusion. And to believe that that's the savior of humanity, that's the future, like in the movie Tron, when he's like, this is our destiny to be here in this Tron matrix universe. And that's what we're hearing. So I started hearing it in the philosophies and in the debates in the scientific community, as they would try to debate all the old philosophers and try to knock them down pin by pin um, and bring in the new scientific dictatorship. And in order to do that, you have to sell people on technology over spirituality, naturality, organic, being organic, being connected. Be now, now, when I say, when we used to say, hey, I feel connected, it might be after I gave you a hug or shook your hand or we just had a good sparring match or we, you know, we had a campfire together. So hey, I felt we had a good connection there. Now it's, hey, I'm, I'm losing my connection. And it's based on the phone. All the language is phone language. Um, it's like Newspeak from George Orwell's 1984, which is a book people should read. That's exactly um, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to finish up that thought, I would just add that now they're actually at the point where this isn't just a philosophy they're selling us. This is merging technology with your biology and your psychology, and your brain, putting it into you, making, integrating you, turning you into a microchip, 
turning you into a, you know, this is, and I, I know this sounds futuristic and hard to believe, but they're talking about this at the highest levels. They're being open with what they want to do. And so Jerry, when you're asking about the fourth industrial revolution, you should go to the, it's uh, the world economic forum website. I have it up here. Yeah. Go to weforum.org slash great reset. And you know, let's just hear oh, from yes. the horse's mouth. They have a couple yeah. points here. Oh, sorry, Nish. <laughs> I'm disagreeing. Yes. This is interesting. So the great reset, a unique twin summit to begin 2021. So they're planning, this is the agenda for the meeting they're going to have in 2021. The great reset will be the theme of a unique twin summit in January, 2021 conveyed or convened by the World Economic Forum. The Great Reset is a commitment to jointly and urgently build the foundations of our economic and social system for a more fair, so just pay attention to these words, a more fair, sustainable, and resilient future. So sustainable, they have to put that in because that, of course, is the name of Agenda 2030, which is sustainable development. That right. is their word. That's the word they chose. And it sounds good, doesn't it? Say, hey, I want things to be sustainable. My question is, where did we start to think that we human beings with all our technology are going to make the ecosystems of the planet more stable? <laughs> like the planet that has been here well before we were even a blink of an eye in history and that is united together by a powerful force that actually swirls galaxies. That's what causes, you know, like we're going to challenge that and go, nope, let's put the World Economic Forum and all those people uh, that have some very shady backgrounds and connections. Let's put them in charge of the new world. Right. So continuing they, they can on. bring the sustainability narrative forward because they've frightened us with the scarcity narrative for so long. Which is Dude, the Hegelian brilliant. dialect. It's the exactly. solution. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they're saying this. This is what their notes are going to be. Okay. The global health crisis has laid bare long-standing ruptures in our economies and societies and created a social crisis that urgently requires decent, meaningful jobs. So they're going to talk about uh, how to connect key global government infrastructures together, bringing government and business leaders to Davos, Switzerland with a global multi-stakeholder network in 400 cities around the world for a forward-oriented dialogue driven by the younger generation. You mean the younger generation that you all created through the media and the universities that you funded to turn them in to what we see coming out of the universities today. We're not seeing in, well, I'm not, I'm just casting a wide brush. Okay. But obviously there's unique, there's examples. I just, when you see the vast majority of these uh, kids, these poor kids who've been indoctrinated in these systems, who've been told that they're victims, who've been told that everything their parents have been building for them is flawed and evil and destructive to the planet. And there's no respect that should be shown to the older generations and that history should be erased because it's just racist and bigoted and horrible. That's not about the issues that they're saying that they're about. That is part of building the framework in the psychology of young people so that they will easily be brought into this infrastructure that is well-funded and hundreds of years in the making. And it yeah. is not based on principles of freedom and liberty at all, at all. And that's why we got to get used to di dissecting the language. And you need to listen to people like Rosa Corey and so yes. many other great people yeah. that can put it into language for you and decode it very, very systematically. I hope to have her on soon, actually. Um, I love I Rosa. Had, um, I had, who else did I have on? Um, Deborah? No, I haven't had, Oh, yeah. She would be great. I had talked to Deborah years ago. I had her on Truthware a while. It's been a while since I talked to her. What did we do with her? She was talking about, 
The NASA oh. war documents. Smart probably. meters, probably. What it was. Mm -hmm. Yes. The NASA yes. war documents. Oh I wanted to. I wanted to bring while we're here talking about this. I find it synchronistic that in about twenty years ago, when the we started to over vaccinate. I know this is such a key thing for so many people, but isn't it interesting that when I don't even know now, is it 90 vaccinations they give kids now? It's like 60. It's, I mean, it's an insane amount. And, uh, and yeah. then that's a whole different subject, but it was about 20 years ago, they just amped that up. And here we are with this particular Zoomer generation pushing forth these uh, long-legged, long-planned social engineering programs that are now at play and have been as we've discovered tonight, and as all of us have talked about for years, always at, going to be in play. And it's been masterfully done, in my opinion. That's a really good point, Nish, because I think that's a huge part of what we're seeing. Um, and I think we're going to learn a lot more about the whole vaccine pharmaceutical thing. And I mean, we already know a lot, but we're going to learn a lot more soon. And I think this is an important discussion because we know what's coming next. We know they're going to start with mandatory masks and then they're going to try to move into the mandatory vaccinations and they might not even say it's mandatory. They'll just say, oh, well, you can't fly on an airplane and you can't run a business. You can't interact with the public. You can't take your kids to school. You can't return your library books unless you have the verification of your vaccine, which is why the ID 2020 element is really important for people to look up. You can go to ID2020.org yeah. and just... Do some light reading. And know? COVID pass too. Yes, exactly. Well, that's in your passport. See, this is what's so important about the Australian narrative unrolling right now is the images, the optics they're they're putting out into the mainstream where they're rolling down the uh, these people have been locked in and what you see are these nurses all geared up and uh, an officer knocking on doors and inoculating these people. And the thing is with these, uh, with this particular vax that they have, it's a three-part vax that includes electromagnetics that opens the cell up. And so it's really gene therapy. And right. so we need people, it behooves people to really look at what, what is being proposed and what are the implications of it? Because it's more than just a vaccine, which is, in my opinion, already, uh, if you're mandatory, right, if, you're, right. if you're pushing that, that's already one thing. But the, what they actually are pushing is way beyond that. It's gene therapy. Well, all these new COVID vaccines that are being researched are quote unquote new technology. It's, they're not typical uh, in that they would contain a trimmed down live virus like the polio vaccine the new vaccines are talking about our rna vaccines which yes basically um, encapsulate some payload in an rna molecule which then gets injected into you and then it opens up and does what it does so um, because of through the magnetics that, that, through electronics so that's this, why the three needles yeah and the new yes the new technology is bypassing animal testing and double blind studies, which is very important because those are, you know, bedrock foundations of vaccine development. And Tuskegee, these, anyone? 
Well, no, <laughs> you know, it, oh, I mean, awesome. the people were the the people were the test. I know, yes. but if you want to talk about fiction becoming programming or however you want to look at it, if you've ever read the book "I Am Legend" by I forget the guy's name who wrote that, have you ever read that book? I I, I just saw the movie. The, I didn't read the book though. Movie's fine. Um, there are five they, four they, movies from that. They develop a vaccine for cancer which everyone gets. So, I mean, it's kind of an analog in that everybody wants it, which by all these lockdowns and draconian measures that have been put in place, people are going to be screaming for a vaccine and be yes. happy to take it. So that's kind of what happened in that movie, but it turned everyone into flesh-eating zombies, which I don't Wait, want. Dude, given what we've seen, I wouldn't be surprised if we get that. We, <laughs> we're we're zombies or, or fake alien invasions or something like that. But I just wanted to add, uh, Anish, and you've done your homework. Good for you. Uh, that's awesome. And um, I was just watching a video with Dr. Carrie Madej. If you go to YouTube, you put her name, Carrie Madej, starts with a C, um, and you put urgent information on COVID vaccine. She's a doctor that did a 22 minute video on everything that we're talking about, how it all fits in and what the real, like she broke down what you were saying, Jerry, about how this is not, this is a new vaccine. We've never tried before. They skipped the animal trials they are already onto human trials. And where's black lives matter when they're testing over in Africa right now? Like wh where, where's that, you know, and there are real issues that we could definitely use some help uh, fighting with. So for all those very passionate uh, people out there that just want to hit the streets and burn stuff. Let's do it digitally. Let's do it with calm and reason. And we've got some issues for you to help us fight. Let me tell you, but this is one for sure. I think we can at least, can we at least say this where there's a risk of any kind, there's a choice. So if, if there's a risk to something, and if there's also a risk that it's not effective, there should be a choice involved because that's the fact, like when it, when it starts to get to the level of your body, when they get to penetrate your body without your consent and not doing the proper science, I, even if they did the proper science, I would still say they have to have choice. Okay. And I mean, come on, doesn't it destroy the whole thing that if you got vaccinated, the vaccine should work, shouldn't it? And I've if I'm saying that forever. To, yeah. Why are you? Why are you why worried? Picking on me? I, <laughs> you should be just like I should leave you to your fate then, and I'm yes, the one absolutely. that is the same. <laughs> that's that's the bottom line. It's always been the bottom line for me with all of it. If it if it's good and it works, you are good, and everyone you love that got it is good, and I'll be the one gasping in the street. You and, know. And what happened to uh, my body, my choice? Hey, Jerry, I was just going to say. It's and a full, full circle what, there. Yeah. What about, what about the fact that even Dr. Anthony Fauci, who was one of the crony guys in this, he said that we don't think that we have a good chance of the vaccine being very effective. And because he compared it to the flu vaccine, I'm like, whoa, did you? Did they, did they just leave the mic on when they weren't supposed to? You weren't supposed to say that because that's part of it. That destroys your entire argument. And how many other people have shown that? Look, Japan is a great example. They have a way less stringent vaccination program. They wait until kids are a certain age. It's far less. Um, they're much more strict with testing. And they still have problems. Don't, don't worry. But it's not even close to the problems we see in places like the U.S., which has a chronic illness 
pandemic. You want to talk about pandemics? There's a chronic illness and disease pandemic that is unprecedented that's already happening. So when they just have people that are already have how many comorbidities, a beaten up immune system. Right. Nisha, yeah. I think you're right about the fact see, that we've been getting overly vaccinated for what, 60 yeah. years? I don't know. Well, um, think about your liver, your liver and, and kidneys, your liver and kidneys processing this stuff alone. And one of the is just in the old traditional Chinese medicine and the Ayurvedic stuff is when people hold liver damage, fatty liver and uh, insulin factors, it, they hold it in their bellies. Where's everyone overweight in America? Mm -hmm. You know, this is just, uh, and I'm just putting it out there. I know that a lot of people don't like to talk the natural medicines either, but that's, that's where I am after having played the allopathic thing for so long mm -hmm. is I look around and all I see are bellies everywhere. And to me, this is a lot of liver damage and it's more so than when I was younger, when I would see the liver damage on chronic alcoholics or, or drug users that had been using drugs a very long time. So they looked all, you know, uh, drug or chic, and then all of a sudden they'd turn a corner and they'd have these malnutrition type bellies, which to me signifies liver issues. We're processing this stuff through our livers. I mean, people need to under come back and understand how their bodies work instead of expecting someone in a coat that practiced one dot on a big board of dots and has no idea how that dot connects to every other dot. And it, you go to these specialists and we need to understand the nine systems of the body, how everything's being processed. And this is not even talking woo. Yeah. <laughs> wow, Nish. Well, well said. I, I don't even know what I would add. I would just say that I agree. And I found it interesting. You guys were talking about the Australia thing, um, just to kind of bring it to the picture. Because yeah, the vaccine, we have to we have to know this stuff. And there's, there's so much information out there. Go listen to some Dr. Sherry Tenpenny or somebody. But anyways, um, there is the Australia lockdown. This is horrific. I'm just looking at an article now. Um, I was making a prediction too, that there's a possibility that for the second wave, they may also go after children. And I mean, by what I mean is in the media with the way they're gonna construct the narrative, because I started seeing hints, uh, and they're gonna do this on multiple fronts, they're gonna throw everything they got at this, because the, the first wave was a, was a flop, let's be, let's be honest. So the second wave's gotta be bigger, badder, faster, and stronger. So what they're gonna do, I think, I started seeing little signs in the media for the last month or so, where they were talking about this strange Kawasaki-like virus that was going around. And for, for anybody not sure what that is, it's not the, the motorcycle. It's the Kawasaki-like virus is, or the Kawasaki virus is a virus that shuts down the immune system of children. Like it shuts you down and like there's, there's uh, problems where the brain, something happens with the brain, with the heart, with the liver, with the gut, like everything just starts to fall apart essentially. And these kids, a lot of, a lot of them don't survive. Um, and this was a big scare. And I actually think that that Kawasaki-like disease is related to vaccine injury. And there's tons of, of documentation that I put together for people to go look at the studies and look at that. But anyways, when they started saying, now COVID has mutated and we're seeing signs in some children in these very small testing groups that we did, that they have the, are the RNA of the COVID in their body, which I think a lot of people are going to have it because it's a coronavirus. And I think the testing's flawed. That's just me. Um, but anyways, this kid has the COVID 
and also has Kawasaki-like symptoms. So not exactly like, and when they talk about it in the, in the articles and in the studies, it's all very speculative and like, we think it's this and there could be a correlation. And when I start seeing that and I see mainstream media outlets putting out articles like Kawasaki-like virus mutates from Corona and is now attacking your children, like something like that, I go, wow, you're jumping the gun pretty quick and you're scaring the hell out of a lot of parents because look at it like this right now with wave one most people are kind of relaxed, even though they're following the narrative, they're relaxed because they're like, well, this is really only affecting the elderly and the immunocompromised. So if I'm strong and healthy, I don't really have anything to worry about, right? Might get a flu and I'll be okay. With this, look at what they've been able to do with just that. And it was already a flop. If they started using the leverage of parents that would be terrified of their children's immune system shutting down because COVID has mutated and their, their mortality rate is much higher and it goes after the young, Dude, do you imagine if they push that big giant red button and let that go? Like just the narrative, forget about it being real. I'm not, I don't even think it'd be real. I just think the narrative would be put out. there be powerful enough to even hint at it. And people would be on their knees with masks on and ready to be shot with a thousand needles with, with needle cannons. They'd be volunteering for that shit because they'd be terrified. And the guess what they would work. do? Always. Yes, it's fear. And guess mm -hmm. what they would do to anybody like us who would go, hold on a minute. There's really not that many children. Look, here's all the stuff. They would hang us in the town square, even if we were telling the truth. It's probably especially if we were telling the truth. And they're already demoralizing the kids through the, the measures they're putting in the schools with the plexiglass cubes and the, the social distancing and no, yes. no sports and you can't play in the playground. You have to stay yeah. in groups of three or whatever bullshit. Things like the psychological trauma yes. that is is out of the textbook of what they did in MKL yes. experiments and what they yes. use on, on Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> yep. They might as well it's just so waterboard the kids. And predictable. They might as well just waterboard the kids and give them vaccines. You know. Well, well it, it's just a proven fact that if you throw in something innocent and young, usually, I mean, it's even with animals. If you show like the, 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 the lion cub as opposed to the lion and stuff like that, people emotionally attack. This is psycho warfare and it's old school. That's the thing. When we're looking at other, other ways of thinking and the art of these kinds of social engineering, China has, thinks in terms of a hundred years. Yes. You, you know, Americans and Westerners, especially Americans, though, we're not, it's not even that old of a culture here. We're, what are we, 400 years at the most outside of, say, the Native Americans and, uh, and the Native people that were here? But as, as America stands now, it's just that we don't have long legs. It's, it's all this weird testing ground. And one of the things I wanted to get since we're in this conversation right now was how do we avoid being enslaved by tech? Because you were specifically talking about, you talk about this a lot, but I think this is a good yeah. segue for that. Sure. How do we avoid it? Man, I'm at a point where I've just seen what's coming out and what's, what's, what's possible. And you sometimes wonder if you open up Pandora's box, is there putting anything back in that thing? Is there a way, like, are we really going to stop the progression of this technology of 5g and launching 60,000 satellites into the upper atmosphere and 
uh, bringing in all these nanotechnologies and smart grids and, you know, all this stuff. Like, they're so far ahead. If you look at even what they can do in Wuhan, China right now, oddly enough, the place where this thing originated is also one of the most highly technologically advanced places in regards to this technology of 5G biometrics, surveillance, like you wouldn't believe, um, you know, and when you think about the fourth industrial revolution, I had some guests uh, on my show um, where they were, they're from a blog called Book of Ours and um, JP and Julie, they were, they came on, they're a couple that starts making these little documentaries to show all this stuff in, a, in an artistic way where they're breaking down the, they're like, look, this is not about a virus. This is about bringing in the AI and the biometrics and the technology. They want the masks on and the social distancing because they need the, the camera systems and the AI systems to be able to learn what they, cause these are all learning computer systems um, where they need to be able to see the entire outline of a human being interacting naturally in their environment. They need to be able to pick up and recognize you by your retinas. So it helps when the, the face is obscured so that the computer can learn. And so the, this couple, they went through and they dug up all the research and all the DARPA projects and all this stuff and how it went out into the public sector and then how it eventually rolled into this thing called the industri fourth industrial revolution, which is transhumanism. That's pretty much what it is. It's, it's, it's building, it's, it's agenda 2030 meets transhumanism is what it is. And so when you put it all together, what have you got? You've got what everybody has been predicting for a long time, um, where you have what all the movies have been talking about. You have a technological grid where humans are not just like right now I can, I can choose in a free market to buy this phone and what apps I want to have on it and what apps I don't, unless I do the new iPhone update, which I haven't done. Um, and I have a choice to opt out. I can turn this thing off. I could throw it in the ocean. I could get a different one, change my phone number. Um, whereas in Wuhan, China, you can literally walk outside and you can just say, I need a pizza, which, or whatever, a taxi. And it'll happen because it's all literally in the airwaves. It's, it's like a whole system. And they're not even, that's just like the beta phase 0.01. When it gets to like Mach 12, we're dealing with a world that I don't think a lot of people can picture, but combine, I don't know, the matrix with 1984 meets animal farm meets Fahrenheit 911 meets brave new world. All, you know, you put them all together and you've got essentially the world will be run by an AI supercomputer, synthetic. If it's not already. Like organism. Like what else could you say? I know that sounds crazy, but that's what they're proposing. Well, here's the thing too, which I don't think a lot of people realize is that the path we're going down is going to be a lot like that vaccine scenario. I just said you won't be able to get on a plane or start a business or go to the bar unless you've been vaccinated and can prove it, but you're going to have to prove it on your cell phone. Once to get rid of, you know, the goal, the end goal here is to go all digital currency, get rid of money. So yep. the central banks control it. That's going to be done through your smartphone. Everything eventually will be done through your smartphone. You'll have to have one to be in society. Yeah. And you, soon and soon you'll have to have the implants. You'll have to have like the implants are talking about like uh, Regina Dugan, former head of DARPA mm -hmm. and head of CEO of Google. Uh, there's a video of her from like, early 2000s or mid 2000s where she's talking about wearables yeah. and all the different types of um, integrated technology that you can use and all the problems and challenges they had because they're like, well, uh, computers and circuits are hard and, and uh, you know, fixed, whereas 
skin is soft and smooth and curvy. And so we had to figure out a way to make it work with the human body so that it could integrate. And, you know, then eventually it's evolved since her conversations. Like now it's into the level of, we can just inject it into, we can, we can have, uh, this is crazy. It sounds crazy. Everything I'm talking about sounds crazy, but it's true. Uh, we can have mosquitoes that we can make literally that are technological. They're, they're like little robotic GMO mosquitoes that can fly around and inject you with little nano quantum dots and all this kind of stuff. And, and vaccines. Like, yeah, vaccines. And you're like, you could spray them over the air in the, in the air particles. And some people think they're already doing that shit. Um, and so you just, you know what it is, is when you put together all the things that are happening simultaneously, and then you start to just sit back and look at it, <laughs> it's they're bringing in the matrix. They want to have complete control over everything, not just your movements, not just your rights to bear arms or have private. They want to have control of your cells and the atomic structure of your body and your biology. They want to have control over you and that surveillance of you. Like, and yeah, these technologies are dualistic. Like there could be a lot of benefits to a lot of these technologies, but who runs the show, who controls the steering wheel and has the, manual in front of them and the buttons and the, and the knobs and are we very trustworthy of our governments as they are let alone if they get amalgamated into this big superstructure and then they have the keys to this new quantum computer technology mixed with 3d printing technology mixed with like 5g by the whole thing if you put it all together why do you think they want to make a, a mandatory vaccine that's never been tried and that is loaded with tracers in it? They don't want to have physical contact tracers anymore. They want this to be all on a technological grid. That's so why it's gene therapy, why they're actually opening up your cells and then this gets inside. This is, right. it's setting up that framework. Well, I know that, um, Nish, you wanted to talk a little bit of woo. And so to, to kind of spin from what you just said. Can I add one more thing to the whole transhuman thing? Oh, sure. Um, have you seen that show on Amazon called Upload? I have not, but people keep talking about it. I guess you I should, should watch it. it. Okay. It's a near future where you die and you can upload your consciousness into a digital heaven. Oh, my God. But everything. It's like second life. <laughs> They're going to turn the world into Minecraft. This is horrible. We must stop this immediately. It's, what's funniest, the funniest part to me, other than the, the SJW-ness of it, was <laughs> the fact that everything was an in-app purchase within the digital heaven. Like if, you oh. get a base program, but if you want to like an extra donut, you have to pay for it. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's scary as hell. Oh, my and, God. <laughs> which also I wanted to ask if you ever saw. Alter and the social credit scores. That's another problem. Yes, in fact, yeah. And that, but that's all going to be tied into the phone. People don't realize that we've had social credit here in the United States for a while. It's called the FICO score. It's just not right. as, as prevalent as China's. But if they get their way, we'll have China's. Um, right, yeah, they have that credit. Yeah, bank credit, financial credit. Correct. Now it's the next phase. It's 2.0. It's, right. it's credit based on your personality and your, yeah. and and your social people media can rate posts. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Wait. look at, I don't know if you guys heard, but they just, uh, YouTube just kicked 26,000, uh, channels. Yeah. Max, Max Egan, Stefan Molyneux. Yeah. Um, Molyneux yeah. got kicked off Twitter too yesterday. Yeah. Or the day before. Yeah. We saw that. Um, 
Whatever. Which is fine because people just need to go to Parler and realize that all these measures that are being I'm taken- I'm on Parler. Yeah, yeah, I'm on Parler too. <laughs> we, I, we're not friends on Parler. We got to be friends on no, Parler. No, I just signed up today, by the okay. way. So I'll find you. Find me. I'll find you. <laughs> um, but uh, the, the, just, I just wanted to inject this really quick because Jerry, we you're right. Go There's so many time. facets to this. It's freaky. But let's just say this. For everything that's happening on that scale of- holy shit, they're going to turn us into robots and it's now going to be, you know, Prometheus or whatever as a reality. You, you um, remember that there's also a lot of positivity happening and there is a resistance to it and there is an awakening happening. I've been talking to people from all around the world lately. In the last four months, I keep saying it, but I love saying it. I've been using Google Translate more than ever before because I've had people messaging me from all over the place that are on board, that are awake. Uh, they're at different levels, but they're sending me information. Uh, they, they're curious about learning about more. Uh, people are rising up and trying to learn about this and get active and you know do what they can. And so for me, I feel like that's a positive sign. So as much as I'm fully aware that I don't think we're going to stop the technological fourth industrial revolution, I do think that if we can create awareness and start asking people this question, because this is where it all rests. What does it mean to be human? And do you value humanity in its organic form do you think there's value are we giving up on it are we moving are is progress going is a part of evolution or is it de-evolution is it devolution you know what i mean and if we start talking basically to people like that as these things start rolling out you're going to see more and more people going hold on a second there's no way i'm going to go for drones flying around in the sky telling me what to do i just i'm not going to do it I'm not, you know, people are just going to get to the point where they're like, I'd rather die than usher this world in. And it kind of takes that. Right. And so, I mean, there's, and there's good people fighting the fight. I think there's good people in a lot of these tech companies. There's whistleblowers coming out all the time, going to try to tell their story about what's going on behind the scenes. There's people coming out, there's exposures happening. Um, I hope there's more and we have to stay optimistic, but also realistic as we go through this next period, because as you said, they're already starting in Australia. I think they're going for those nations that are like easy to sell on this stuff. Australia is kind of an easy sell for them. They're like, let's see how, how far we can go with Australia. Oh, they go for it? Okay. Um, but th for them to try it in other places, they're going to run into a lot more resistance. And especially as this keeps rolling forward uh, and the media keeps doing a fantastic job putting its foot in its mouth. Media, I must applaud you. You're doing a great job making my job easier in exposing your shenanigans. So keep it up. Thank you. Um, but I just wanted to say, to stay positive. Don't get down in the gutter. And um, we, there is possible, positive applications for technology. We don't need to go back and live in the trees like try. You know, we, we, can, we can still have a technological age, but we got to ask some very serious questions, I think, and, and start to band together and share this information as far and wide as we can. Because awareness is what these elites, these people, whatever you want to call them, the cabal, the controllers, they've always relied on the ignorance of the masses. And so the question that we always ask on Unslaved is, there's the master, which in this case is these people setting up the new age, and then there's the slave, the serf, there's us. And the question is always, we can point the finger at them and go, wow, look at those bad, nasty, criminal, evil people. And they are, and there should be blame put their way. But the other question is, why did we allow this to get to this point? Yes, we've been brainwashed. Yes, we've been torn apart at the family level and the community level and all that kind of stuff. But there's plenty of examples of people like yourselves 
that even with all those influences where you could have been pulled to a different way of looking at the world, you still woke up and are challenging and questioning. So there's still hope. They have to work 24 seven to suppress the human soul and suppress the human consciousness. And so it just takes an instant for you to go, oh yeah, I guess I, when I see lab technicians wearing spacesuits when they're working with live viruses, and then I see them trying to make masks that don't, it's like putting up a chain yeah. fence to stop mosquitoes <laughs> doesn't work. Then I can think, well, there's something to that. And it just keeps going from there. And I'm hopeful that more people are going to start tuning into this show and shows like mine and so many other brilliant people uh, going on the alternative front. There's alternative cryptocurrency people. There's alternative yeah. um, community building people. There's alternative science people. There's alternative social medias and YouTubes. There's a new one someone just showed me today. I can't remember the name of it, but they're like not censoring people. There's a massive movement and spirit of freedom that I see awakening. And I kind of wonder, and I'd love your take, Nish and Jerry, about this. I kind of wonder if in the big scale of things, maybe in order for humanity to really evolve, like authentically, not this, this fake one, but the real one, we need to be pushed up against the wall and shooken out of our slumber in a way. And so maybe even though this is an opportunity for these globalist, whatever uh, people, Dr. Evils to take over the world, it's also an opportunity for us to see them trying to do that and to wake up and go, yeah, we're not doing that. I'm not, we're not doing that. We're just not doing it. You can't force 7.6 billion people to just do, you know, we just have to have that kind of a consciousness revolution. You know, this was, I had, I had this triangle written down before, before I came into the show this evening. And, um, and it was after listening to you. Uh, and so it's, it's freedom soul, mind, prison. And I wanted to get your idea on, you've given us a lot of uh, background on freedom. I wonder what, how do you view the soul and consciousness in context to all of this? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I've, I've always thought of the soul. I, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person, I definitely don't believe that the body is all we got. I think we're multidimensional beings. I believe in what you would call the soul. I've always loved when you see the soul spelled S-O-L, because it kind of refers to the sun, photonic energy, electromagnetic, you know. And, and alchemy, I love it. Yes, yes. So the alchemical hermetic concept, uh, mystical naturalism, that kind of stuff. That's where I find a lot of um, connections. Like my favorite quote of all time that really kind of sums everything up for me is uh, Schelling, where he said, nature is visible spirit and spirit is invisible nature. So when we think of like, there's what we see with our eyes and then there's what we feel and what we're aware of, what we're, we sense, we have the senses, right? In martial arts, we're trying to heighten the more sensitive, the, the senses that aren't as prevalent, right? You can't always rely on what you can see in order to deflect an attack. You can't always rely on the smell <laughs> your opponent. Maybe they didn't change their rash guard or whatever. You can't always rely on what you hear. You have to develop uh, another sensitivity where you can, you can feel it on a, in a gut level. It's a gut brain thing. It's an intuitive thing. And um, so that ability to process that information in real time in a way that no computer will ever be able to do um, is a miracle. And the fact that your eyes light up when you're alive, and if you look at a corpse, you see that that light is just not there. Um, and we see the natural life and death process in nature. And we start looking at all these things. I, I feel like 
there's a reason reincarnation and explorations of the soul are the most ancient concepts that exist on this planet. And then from that idea spar spurred all these different religious traditions and mythos that were there to help give people some kind of tangible language to explain this concept of the infinite, the Tao, uh, the Brahman, God, the gods, you know, whatever, whatever, it, it really doesn't matter what you name it. It really doesn't. You know, when you look at it kind of like archetypally and you realize your brain is a quantum computer already in an, or an organic one, um, and that there is also a, a huge part of your own genetic code that you've been blocked off and firewalled from, uh, whether that's natural or whether that's some kind of genetic manipulation uh, is, a, is an argument to have. But the fact that it's there, that there's this potential that's inside of us that has been spoken about by sages, mystics, philosophers, teachers, and people for since the, as far back as anything's been recorded. Um, I look at that. I look at my own personal experience. And I say, yeah, freedom is the soul. The spirit of freedom is the ground of being. And the soul and the mind, there's, a connect, there's an interconnected uh, system that is what you are. That's when we say you're multidimensional, what I mean is you have a brain that's you know the logical side, you can process information, you have the biology, the body, right? But then you have this thing called the mind. And um, there's a really good video I keep recommending to people that breaks this down even better than I could. And it's by Krishnamurti when someone asks him, what do you think the difference is between the brain and the mind? And he, he just does a really good job and he actually ends up talking about the soul. And so um, the soul for me is that capital S self, that part of you that is a spark of the divine, a spark of the cosmos, a spark of nature. There's a part of you that's beyond just physical time and space. And, um, that's why I love reading people like William Blake and Walter Russell and Schelling and, um, you know, even like guys, modern guys like Anthony Peake and um, Alan Watts and these kinds of people. I, I recommend listening to those people now during this time where we're I love all of afraid them. and feeling worried and concerned. They're very empowering to listen to and to, to think about. It's a good question to think about. Alan Watts is just, he always makes me feel so much better. I, I leave... Oh with such a, a my light is just more he, he lights me up i'm uh, wondering I put a link to that video in chat and show notes too by the way thanks yeah i'll send you some stuff after thanks sir okay. um, so with this with this idea and how do we avoid being enslaved by the tech where you were going to take us into some some deep woo ah uh, yes well I mean, I was trying with the enslaved tech thing. I think I've answered it to the best I can. Yeah. Is, I mean, we're going to stick it out together and try to keep humanity <laughs> yes, somewhat human as we go through this stage. But if we want to get add in, one more thing, sorry, go you, ahead. Jay. You failed to mention Elon Musk and his BCI, the brain computer interface. Right. <laughs> well, I think I mentioned brain interface. So Elon Musk is one of the guys that, you know, he's this very weird, mysterious person who has been warning the world about AI and all this stuff for so long and has been one of the only guys coming out from within Silicon Valley going, guys, I am kind of worried about AI taking the world. And he kept doing this, but at the same time, he's also developing AI. So there's two theories. One is that he's a deep, he's a crazy psychopath who wants to take over the world with AI. And B, it's he's maybe thought, he maybe thinks that there's no stopping AI. So it's better to find a way to take it over it and control AI. it before it controls us. And maybe, you know, so there's a debate about 
Elon Musk. But either way, it's pretty freaky and very futuristic. He's a demon because everything he, is demon. I think he became AI. I think at some point he actually used himself like all mad scientists and got that Neuralink into his own brain. Or he's a, he's could a, be. He's well, a shopkeeper NPC. Of course, he probably. I mean, he named his kid uh, like a number or something. Yeah, <laughs> him and Grimes. They, you know, okay. but he. All that stuff's interesting. Sorry to derail you from the woo. Go, go back. Oh to no. That. Okay. So the woo. Well, okay. There's a few ideas here that will be controversial, but they're fun, and it's woo, and people can make what they want. I think there's actually a lot of credibility to some of it, but then some of it's speculation. But here's the thing: the question I'm always asked, and I've asked myself, is why what's the why because we can get into the facts and we can talk about power structures and people can say oh it's just all about the money and people just like having once they run out, once they have all the money in the world they just want more power so it's just about money and power but then you start getting into the deep dark rabbit holes of you know stuff like satanic ritualistic abuse and the human trafficking world and the criminal underworld and some of the really freaky deaky things and i went into a whole um exploration of that subject in my cults of death and power series which is it's a series i've sort of put on hold but i wanted it to be an ongoing one where i've done four major installments on it going and looking at cults whether they were everything from Jim Jones and Marilyn or Charles Manson and all those types of cults, you know, the process church of the final judgment, et cetera, all the way back in ancient history to cults that were in Egypt, Babylon, Rome, Greece, et cetera. And, and even in the middle East and, and somewhat where you see that there's this prevalence of these really freaky, weird rituals that have to do with sacrifice, blood, death, and very, very dark things, contacting other dimensional entities, um, interfacing with extraterrestrial beings and all these kinds of things. And so Putting aside for everybody listening, where they wh whether they personally believe in these things or not, or they believe some of it and not that other thing, put that aside for a second and realize that there are people in the world that do believe these things. And a lot of them are some of the most wealthy, powerful people that have ever existed. And that's where I go, okay, is there something to it? Is it all just a psychological thing that we could pin it down to? They're just psychopaths? Um, it just, to me, wouldn't necessarily fully explain a, where do psychopaths even come from? That's a question to explore. Why are human beings unique in the fact that we have this thing called psychopathy, where we actually get, get pleasure killing and torturing each other that doesn't exist elsewhere. Most animals just kill for food sources and they have logical reasons for why they would kill. Um, although there are some, you know, we can get into the woods on it, but just in general, um, there's the idea that there's this old belief in extraterrestrial, other dimensional forces, powers, entities, whatever, that are behind the veil of reality that we see through the five senses, which is restricted to like 000.05% of the light spectrum or whatever. So the archons. The archons, right? We've got the stories of the archons. And the archons could be, if you read the story of the archons from the Nag Hammadi and all that stuff, you can look at it through a bunch of ways. You could look at it and say, oh, they're just using a, mytho a mythological um, story to describe psychopathy or getting a mental illness. Or it's like what they used to say with demon possession. Well, it's not demon possession. It's just people being schizophrenic, you know, like whatever. It, to me, the name doesn't matter. The fact that it happens is an anomaly and, we'll, you know, but um, you got the archons, you got the jinn, you got the, the reptilian thing, you got the ET thing, the abduction, the world of abductions and getting into all that. Tall you got, the, the all the lights the blinking lights no, the you know tall, tall whites the nordics the nordics the, and the yes. grays i mean yeah there's a whole 
plethora. There's a of, whole, there's yeah. a whole thing, right? It's a whole thing. We know this and it's the most popular subject on the planet. You can't go anywhere in the world without bumping into people that love talking about this stuff. And um, so I have always asked the question. I've said, okay, I have never met uh, a tall gray or reptilian or whatever that I know of. Um, but I've done a lot of research that is interesting that there are people that believe this and they're not just a bunch of wackadoodles that are out, you know, a bunch of hillbillies in the woods, very elite, very well-respected people in history talk about these things. So to me, I'm like, well, if they're curious about it and giving it credence, and even some of the most elite members of some of the top secret societies and Masonic orders in the world and in history have spoken about these things and the Royals believe in this shit. And so many other people believe in this stuff. And you go, well, you know, is, is it just a fantasy? Are they just all crazy or is there something to it? Well, I'm just bringing that up to say this. There's a theory, there's a few, a few different ways. We can look at humanity and civilization as, uh, let's look at hum the human being. We can go with the evolutionary picture where humans evolve, like according to the science and Darwin and evolution and all that, that we all just evolve from, you know, this primordial soup and then it, you know, through the whole thing and then monkeys, apes, Neanderthal, humans, there's missing links, but we don't know about, don't worry about that. But hey, we, we still got this theory, right? And then we have the creationism idea. We have the religious veneer, which is clouded in myth and all these things about angels and demons and battles happening in spiritual realms, right? So you have a very physical, hard left brain way of looking at humans and our, our life here and what's happening. And then you have the spiritual dimension. And in the middle is something that Lloyd Pye came up with. Um, may he rest in peace. He's one of my favorite alternative historians. He came up with the idea of inter, well, he didn't come up with it, but he expounded on the idea of intervention theory. The fact that the reason why the evolutionists and the creationists have been fighting each other with the same arguments, never really winning out for on and on and on we could go. And it's getting tiresome. I've watched all of it. It's never resolved. It's because there's a missing component. And that is there's something that binds those two things together. Kind of like the left brain and the right brain, right? So if we look back into the ancient myths and legends, they all talk about um, the fact that there are stories of these creatures that come from within the earth. They come from underground tunnel systems or caverns. Um, some myths and legends talk about how Agartha and some of these, in, there's these inner world or uh, hollow earth concepts, right? You've heard of all these myths. This is an ancient myth. Um, there's even ancient myths about how the moon, there was a time before the moon and then the moon came in later and it changed everything. And, you know, but anyways, I was wondering, is there anything to the fact that there could be something going on underneath us? And um, I got into Richard Souter's work years ago. Um, I actually just ordered some of his books because it had been forever since I connected with him. I interviewed him years ago uh, as well. And he did a whole thing on the actual level of technology that's possessed by the Air Force, the uh, military industrial complex, and also private corporations as subcontractors to be able to dig very, 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 very deep underground bases, and that this was a tactic that was used by the Nazi regime and many other political regimes and even ancient peoples back in like Kuyu, Turkey and stuff like that, where they dug in the ground with, you know, in ancient times, how would they even do this? But it's, it's quite stupendous. They dig in and there's like 280 feet into the earth. There's entire like housing structures and they built they built enough for like thousands of people to live underground. And then now you come up to the modern time and you see all these like big companies and military subcontractors have this technology to literally build underground facilities. 
and connecting underground rail stations like Mag Megatron, uh, Lev trains and stuff like that. And you get into it and you're like, wow, that's interesting. And then you hear about the criminal underworld and you hear about the trafficking and you hear about, um, you know, underground passageways in your town. I mean, Ottawa, Ottawa, Canada, I had people tell me all the time, there's whole underground cities under there's underground passageways all the way through from the war and whatever. And so you start going, if I put all this together, is it just a coincidence that all over the world we have stories from the ancient times and the modern times of humans digging under the ground? And is this a strategy? Because if you have something clandestine going on, you want to get to a spot where nobody else can really get to. So you, if you want to hide technology, if you want to hide a secret from the world, you can't really hide it on the surface. You can only hide it so well there. You really want to get underground and that's where you do all your real stuff. That's where you build the technology that is now rolling out that I think they've already had for about 60 or hundred years already. Go back to Nikola Tesla and all that stuff, right? So putting that together, there was a question someone asked me that really struck me. And that was coming back to the cult thing and the reason why. Why would some human beings want to prey on other human beings the way predators prey on other species? Why would that, why, like humans clearly have interspecies predators, you know, your Jeffrey Dahmers, your Zodiac killers, you know, all these people, Pol Pots, they just love watching people die. You know what I mean? What's up with this? I don't let feel that way. So it seems like there's some human, a small subset of humans that are psychopathic and, and, and predatory and you ask yourself, well, did something happen where a certain branch, the main branch of humanity evolved through the more mammalian, like the mammal and the, and, the, and, you know, some people believe we're sort of like a mix of dolphin and mammal or whatever. There's different theories on it. Um, and that that's why we're more kind-hearted and, and community oriented and freedom loving and easygoing and whatever. I heard and it was human also, pig hybrids, by the way. <laughs> there you go. But then what if another strain evolved from the reptilian species? This is the, the reptilian theory, but in a physical form where you kind of go, well, the dinosaurs, where did they all go? Uh, did they all disappear? Did certain, um, you know, evolution, evolutionary mutants go underground? And, you know, is that why we're hearing all the stories of these reptilian creatures coming out from underground? You know, there's just this speculative thing. And I was sitting there going, well, maybe if you think about it from the evolutionary standpoint, someone could glue a case together to say it's possible that, you know, there was a branching of mammalian type humans and more, a little more reptilian DNA in those people that get a little more cold blooded, don't mind preying on their own kind. Um, and then I thought, okay, there's another way of looking at this, which is through the religious lens where they say the reason we see these freaky beings and ETs and, and uh, there's all this weird, dark black magic stuff going on is because it's about God versus the devil and angels versus demons. And this is all happening in a spiritual dimension that sometimes just manifests in the physical dimension. So that's the religious side. But I go, well, what if we meet in the middle and realize a few things? Maybe there's points on both sides. Or maybe we're not alone in the universe. And maybe this planet isn't what we think it is. Maybe this is just a big giant farm. And just as uh, what's his name used to say, he was one of the great writers uh, in alternative weird wacky stuff back in the 40s or something. He said, Earth is a farm and humanity is owned. And I thought, well, that's an interesting statement. You know, I don't know if I could back it up, but 
don't the elites of the world and the royal bloodlines and all these things, don't they look, don't they act like they own us? Aren't they treating us kind of like pets or like farm animals that need to be mass vaccinated and make sure you put your mask on and here's all the signs to tell you where to go and what to do and make sure we raise you through the media and the culture. And, you know, I always wonder, is someone sort of keeping humanity managed? Is somebody managing humanity? And is it just other humans or is it a subgroup of humans or is it some dark arconic demonic force or is it ETs or is it all just, you know, so all of the I'm above. just throwing a bunch of stuff on the table to say, I think there's enough to at least say there's some room for speculation <laughs> because now we have some of these questions that are coming on the table that we're going to have to start answering. And that question is not just the how, not just the what, but why. And I think that that really can lead you down some very interesting rabbit holes, you know, for what they're worth. Absolutely. David. I think you were referring to uh, Charles Fort. That's it. That's the yeah. man. Yes. Who Charles said, Fort, uh, Earth is a farm and we're someone else's property. We're yeah. someone else's property. Right. I wanted to, I wanted to bring in the power of hypnotism into all this because it is at play. And I know you know it's at play. It's part of the the real magic at work here. And when we look at it from a social engineering aspect and how how everything is really being pinned to the ideas of hypnotism from things like flicker rate, repetitive uh, speech, slowed down speech, then skipped speech, all all these ways that it it rolls out into the public. And specifically now that we are all connected to the internet and where it's more powerful than ever, the TV is really a dinosaur. And we see that the the pulse patterns of even the waves coming from, say, Bluetooth, yep. play into this. I'm I'm wondering, and I've heard 5G. you speak of this, right? Five G oh, is yeah. an under is is really a foundational move for some of this. But the hypnotism is just one of the it's one of the keys here. It yeah, it really is, and think about what hypnotism is. So there's a positive use for hypnotism where, I mean, you could learn, there's some people that believe in learning how to self-hypnotize so you can address all the subconscious trauma or whatever. Other people advise against that, you know, it's up to you. Um, You can go to a stage hypnosis show and it's a good time and it's a laugh and, you know, people are doing all kinds of weird stuff on the stage. That's great. I participated in a few of them back in the day, just out of curiosity. Uh, A few times it worked and a few times it didn't work and the times it worked were when i really focused on it and made sure i allowed it to work Um, so you have to be willing participant in her hypnotism on that level but it's interesting how many of the intelligence agencies of the world um who you know there's a very interesting lineage from organizations like the cia uh, mi6 etc to organizations like the jesuits for example and other older um, secret orders there's even quotes from people like the Duke of Brunswick back in the 1700s, who was the head of worldwide Freemasonry. And he came out and said, our order has become corrupted from within. And we have the infiltration of some other sun order, he called it, some illuminist sun order that has infiltrated our ranks and employs the strategy of black magic, what he called black magic, which is hypnotism and electromagnetism and using the realm of science or something like that. Yes. I don't remember the quote exactly. Yes. So 
um, I thought that was interesting just to, to point that out that we have not just some Joe Schmo. This is, uh, you know, the Duke himself, one of the most elite people uh, in the Freemasonic lodges and not all Freemasons are bad. And, you know, this is what happened is they started blowing the whistle and saying, we've been infiltrated by this really dark cult. And this cult then I think got transfigured into what we call now the CIA and these other intelligence communities. Because what are the intelligence agencies? Intelligence about what? What are they gathering intelligence about really? Are they gathering intelligence about all the drug cartels and the human traffickers and all the Jeffrey Epstein's of the world? I mean, they've known about Ghislaine Maxwell for 25 years. Why have they waited till last week to round her up and put her in the same prison they put Epstein, which is weird. But anyways, uh, that's another tangent. Um, you know, do you think these intelligence agencies are gathering intelligence on the human race? Well, the question, the answer to that is yes, because we know they spent millions and millions of dollars, whether you look in the Soviet Union with the KGB or the CIA in America or MI6 in Britain or elsewhere, and you say they've been dumping money into programs to learn how human psychology works. You got these Manchurian candidate programs. You got everything from Mockingbird, which is the media interface of MKUltra, essentially, which was this whole mind control experimentation uh, conducted in places like Montreal and Ottawa and elsewhere in Canada. Um, and you have other spin-off um, remote viewing uh, programs that they invested in and actually used to gain real military tactical intelligence from. Um, and then the media, all the scientists will be on TED telling you, no, that doesn't, that's it's all voodoo. Um, and, you know, so you go, all right, there is knowledge of how to hypnotize the human mind even when it's not conscious that it's agreeing to it so it's like you can bypass the firewall of a conscious mind by using the flicker rates the color spectrums the tones and sounds the repetitive speech the certain talismanic words symbolism is the mass that's the ancient one religious symbolism uh is the, what is it signs and symbols rule the world i think confucius said right not words and laws and they yes. know how because they know how powerful archetypes are on the human mind, and they that's why certain um, companies like car companies, makeup companies, video game companies, movie houses, look at Lionsgate, uh, Columbia Pictures, Dodge Ram, Revlon. What are these words? If you look at the etymology of these words, they come out of the occult traditions in the ancient world, and um, that doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're using it to cast a spell. And there's black magicians and there's white magicians. And, um, you know, Hollywood, that's the, the wood of the holly tree that is the Druids, you know, or the, you know, not just, I don't want to put Best on the Druids. Wood wand. Yeah, the wa and, and it, what does Hollywood do? It constructs realities for us mm -hmm. that we get information from and monkey see, monkey do, right? When you're not thinking, you just kind of do what is impressed upon you. And we follow the characteristics. We follow the language. Like if you watch movies from the 40s, they talk different. They have just a slightly different accent, you know, oh, for heaven's sakes. Like, it's just a little different, right? Oh, well, or, uh, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean? Or like, show what she's won, Johnny. Like, there's just these different ways that we don't talk like that anymore. In fact, when I do it, it's just, it's, it's a joke now. Um, and we got this yes. cool, like, hey, what's up? You know, it's cool lingo now. So think about where do we get that from? Did we invent it? You know, or did we, we get it from celebrities and media and advertisements yeah. and Hollywood? Yeah, because uh, Hollywood... I mean, it really just exists to shape public opinion and give us a co-created reality target because we all create reality consciously through co the co-creation process, right? 
Right. And because we're so focused and putting energy and attention on Hollywood movies and media and the news and stuff, their narrative is becoming the reality we create. If there was, you know, back then, back in the 1800s and stuff, there was none of this, and the reality was whatever they made it, right? They did. Right. Yeah. So no, that's, that's a good point. We we and, we put we put on we're on like autopilot for co-creation, and we're letting other people create our future and reality by by allowing that to go on. Plus, the whole CIA involvement in Hollywood too. Yeah. Exa exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I like the way you said that. That makes some, it, it just, think about it. I ask people this all the time. I ask myself this all the time. And everybody listening should ask themselves this on a regular basis. Where did you get your opinion? Where did you pick up your anxiety? Did you, is your anxiety there? Is it, is it something or your depression or any of these things? Is it there because of trauma that happened to you in your life? Or is, is, is there a possibility that some of that has been actually installed into you? by certain yes. cues that you didn't know existed and that there's been magicians and hypnotists and psychologists on the staff of Madison Avenue and Hollywood and the news made, made media and all that for decades. And they've got all the manuals sitting on the desk of how your psychology and your consciousness ticks. And here we are not informed through the school system and that very same media apparatus about our own consciousness. And then when a, Alan Watts stands up and says, hey, when you look at the stars and you one day realize, hey, that's me. And I'm one with it. And it, you listen to that, people are like, what? What are you talking about? Right? Because it's like only certain people can receive that information because you have to break the trance. This is why we use the phrase waking up. You're waking up. You're waking up from a trance that you've been put in. And I think if we kind of switch a little bit back or just kind of compare it to what I was saying before about the possibility of intraspecies predators. Look how predators operate, especially certain predators where they inject an, a poison into you to numb you out and slow you down so that they can spin you in a web and then eat you later. Right. Or uh, the way serpents act and the, all these different things, like the, the way they attack their prey, it's strategic. It's done in a way where that deer grazing in the forest has no idea that there's a tiger or a lion or whatever waiting in the grass. And I don't know, do tigers hunt deers? I think I'm mixing it. Bears, whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, and the predator and the prey. Wildebeests. Wildebeests, the, the right? cats stalk. But the thing is, prey cannot afford to be hurt. When they're down, right. they're vulnerable like everything else. So they do spend the extra time observing the environment they generally have uh domains they have quotas and they they watch the cycles and they look for the signs sounds familiar huh? what do you think about uh, the whole idea that you know if we're a farm we're maybe an energy farm and the divisiveness mm -hmm. and whatnot that's fomented by hollywood media etc it drives up that emotion in people which gives off certain energy that these entities feed off of that's the whole uh, i think robert uh, what's his name the astral projection guy monroe talked about it as louche an energy that we give off well this is a very good one it was actually i just read a really kick-ass quote do i still have it here from uh let me just see real quick okay i'll have to pull it up and send it oh it's so good it's from rudolph steiner if you know about steiner um Love where he steiner. talked yeah. When you read his definition of what this is that's plaguing the world, 
um, it's, it's kind of similar to, it's similar to what you're saying. It's like, there is different dimensions to reality and obviously there's stuff that's outside of our vision. And so there are energetic sort of parasites, right? And so when, like, uh, I think it was Greg Braden and Bruce Lipton and those guys went into the idea of the heart and the, the different frequencies of love and fear, just as a basic thing, or um, that uh, Japanese professor who used to write different symbols on water cans Emoto. and stuff. Dr. Emoto. Dr. Emoto. And then you get into cymatics and you get into that world of things and Walter Russell and the, the secret of light and all this. And you go, okay, well, all light casts a shadow, right? So where we see light, we're also going to see the opposite. We live in a duality, yin yang. So in the physical world, we have physical manifestations of what you call parasitic people, right? Like I have people, there's people I've met in my life, I'm sure you guys have too, who are, we could call energy vampires, right? What, if you take it up to the next level, my colleague, Michael Tessarian calls them um, psychic vampires. So that's like the psychic, the, they want, they don't have their own ability to create their own internal energy and meaning and, and light. They've kind of deadened themselves. So they need to steal and siphon your light. So they become like predators but it's of an energetic sort. So it's a good question, Jerry, because right there is an example of energetic vampires. So if we extrapolate on that and go, well, what if it's even bigger than that? What if like Carlos Castaneda in his book, um, he was, it's the, there's a, the there's road, a So the road to Ishtalan, I think. It, I think it is. And it, he's talking to, it's Don Juan Mattis, right? Yep. He's talking to this guy, Carl, and he's telling about the predator that came from the depths of the cosmos. I read it out on, um, I think, the first episode of the Lord of the Rings series that I did with Laura Lee uh, Scaife, who we'll talk about in a sec. Um, but it was this idea that there was this predator that came from the depths of the cosmos, you know, just fill the blanks, whatever you want to call it. And it operated in a way that was manipulative. It was stealthy. It used, again, he also referenced hypnotism. And he referenced the idea that they hypnotize their prey psychically and then actually siphon off energy okay so whether you believe in invisible mind parasites or not you also have to look at the magic rituals that are done at the highest levels of some of these elite cults where they do things like they take the scimitar they cut the bottoms of the feet of a child which is i know it's horrible but i'm just trying to bring it up because this is what these people believe they're sick um and they take the blood and then they drink it because it's adrenalized blood because this poor child is terrorized and then adrenalized blood is a huge commodity on the planet where they believe they get a new genetic or energetic imprint yeah. and that it's the fountain of youth it's the elixir of life um and it's all this kind of stuff so if you kind of think about That's the well, whole they, adrenochrome narrative. this is where we get into the adrenochrome yeah. shit right and there's a whole market for it there's a whole market that would blow people's minds speaking of underground tunnels and networks um, it's a crazy story, but either way, what is that all about? It's, these are people that are siphoning energy. You can even, I was even speaking, I know this is again, a, a rough subject, but I was speaking to somebody who was a rape survivor, somebody who was raped and they were telling the story and it was a horrible thing. And, um, I asked the person, I said, what do you think was the motivations of your attacker? And they said, immediately, they said they wanted to control me. It wasn't sexual. It wasn't just because they liked what this was about taking over my mind and my body and controlling me through trauma. And I was like, wow, that's the best description I could hear as hard as that was for me to hear. Um, you know, I think 
we underestimate some of the deeper intentions that are behind things. And I think even these psychopathic people that are capable of even doing these kinds of things, because they don't get the authentic light, the authentic um, energy that is all around us is abundant. There's a resonance field. You can get into all that, the Schumann resonance and the beautiful things and you know all those things. They're not turned on by that. They're turned, they're, they are uh, obsessed with death. They are, um, they need to siphon energy from living things. They don't want to add more energy to life. They want to take, they take, they're takers. So the, there's the, many the, examples. The narrative can, around there's that. There's something to that, right? Sorry, was it? No, you're right. You're absolutely right. So the narrative around that, the, the, because the energy vampires are vampiristic because they themselves cannot create because, and this is the narrative, they don't have a soul. They're soulless beings or they're not of the same source that we are. So they can't create in our realm. So they have to consume us, consume our energy. That's the narrative. Well, and actually you're, you're right. Cause the description of the archons, or even when you read certain passages out of the Bible, especially the books that got kicked out, you know, the 14 books of the Pentateuch or whatever, uh, you start reading that stuff and you go, Oh, there's a whole description about how this stuff works. And, um, it's the idea that they have to mimic. There was even a movie about, um, it was yeah. called Mimic. Remember? Yes. I think it was, yes. was it Kevin Bacon or something? No, I can't recall, but it wasn't anyone was... famous, um, but it, like, it mimics. It, it's the whole scary thing about it is it mimics people and mimics things. And it, it's like this learning computer, it's this learning thing, this learning predator. Um, and it's also like a movie life force. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh, that's a good, you got to check that out. It's all about okay, life it's space vampires. vampires. Yeah. It was based off of space vampires. Oh, energy okay. vampires from space. Yeah. Thank and energy vampires from space. <laughs> wow energy vampires from space that'd be a good title for another episode we could do a whole thing on it. but, <laughs> but the, the 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 idea here that i would just say is there's a few examples we can give of people that already are attracted to your energy right they'll even you'll even hear people describe it like oh that person just lights up a room or oh when that person comes in it's a total buzzkill buzz killington just walked in the room right people feel vibes and vibrations and human we as human beings we have the perfect biological, natural, organic computer system. I hate to compare it to that, but we'll just use it. Um, that is able to transmit and receive information and energy and vibration. And all that stuff's happening. There's communication happening around us uh, that we can't see, but it's still happening. And so the question is, if viruses like this, the Rona, if the Rona can get you in the real world, can the Rona of consciousness get you in the conscious world? Exactly. And could the demonic Rona of the demonic spiritual world get you if you don't have the right spiritual, psychological immune system. You know what I mean? Well, it is said that, that things on this plane manifest from the energetic. So in that respect, the, 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 the coronavirus, the, whatever. The coronavirus. I like, I like that term. Anyway. The Rona. The Rona <laughs> is, was energetic before it was physical. Yes. So the the battle was fought there first energetically until it leaked through to here, or it manifested there and then manifested, however you want to look at it. That's another well, way how we get entranced in this from mesmer. Mesmerized, we see optics, and then it all starts going from there. Optics, then sound, and we have a cauldron there with right. those two, two elements. And on, on one level... This whole idea that it's energetic first, then 
then physical, then transitions to physical can be viewed as a spiritual war or spiritual yeah. warfare. I don't think that's, I don't think that's exaggerating what we're doing right now. This is a spiritual war. We have a spirit, you know, sp uh, spire, the whole, like look into the etymology of these words. When people hear these words, they get triggered based on what they heard in Sunday school or in school or on television. So you, but, but these words have deeper meanings, right? When you understand what we're talking about, we're not talking a bunch of airy fairy stuff that is just, you know, built by a bunch of hysterics. We're talking that there's real interpretations of reality and these words really did have meaning at a certain time. So I believe, I, I agree with you. And speaking of words and terms and the Rona, I think the Rona is actually a different virus called hysteria contagion, hysteria contagion. You can look it up. And if you look at Wikipedia, it's just an interesting thing. It says in social psychology, hysterical contagion occurs when people in a group, always a group, show signs of a physical problem or illness, when in reality, there are psychological or social forces at work. So they're basically saying, so these are all people that have a virus called hysterical contagion. It happens only in a group setting. And it's when a group shows actual physical illness, when in reality, there is nothing triggering physical illness. It's all psychological and social forces. Hysterical contagion is a strong form of emotional contagion, which is another one, apparently, which describes the copycat effect of imitative behavior based on the power of suggestion and word of mouth influence, because the symptoms often include those associated with clinical hysteria. And then it goes through all the histories of hysteria and the dancing plague of the 1500s and the whole thing. Um, and this is, an, this is where I start bringing out the work of people like Gustave Le Bon, um, Edward Bernays, looking at the idea of crowd psychology, mob psychology. And if they know how to push a few little buttons, like so if a stage hypnotist or a magician can put the whole crowd to sleep and make them believe that they're levitating or uh, they're really holding an apple when they're holding you know, a bazooka or something, then the media and the other forces at work can also install hysteria into the reptilian complex of your brain so that it's subconsciously implanted, so that it's all psychological cues, so that when they say jump, you jump. When they say wear the mask, you wear the mask. When they say take the vaccine, you do it. Give us all your money, power, and freedom, and you just do it on cue without thinking uh, based on hysteria I think that that's a better diagnosis of the real coronavirus that might be going around. Yeah, it's totally a mind virus. And I want to add to your list of uh, MK pioneers there, Jose Delgado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was the surgeon. He actually went into the brain and started doing it. Right? Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Crazy. Yeah, you're totally on point there. Right? This is, there's a mind virus component to this, and there's possibly a physical one. Uh, that yep. Looks just well, like a I, I, didn't, I don't think I'm willing to say, I mean, if you go with David Icke, he'll say there's no virus at all. And there's other people out there too. What is it? Uh, Dr. Uh, there's a Dr. Young, Dr. Mikovits, Dr. Eric. Well, Eric's. Well, Mikovits thinks there is a virus, but she thinks that it's not what they're saying it is. I, I agree with that viewpoint. And I go with, I like Mikovits. I, when I read her, I'm like, you know what? At the very least, She's a great way to open up the door and say, here's, you want to talk science and experts? Here you go. And let's listen to her. And then, and then maybe down the road, once we get past that level, we can go to the next level of going, 
oh, maybe we were wrong about the Louis Pasteur version of looking at viruses and we should have been going with the terrain theory and all this. And we can get into all those debates later. Right? Uh, yeah. However, though, David, there's this, there's the idea here. And if we look at patterns and patterning, this, that's all we have to go on. And, and this pattern of they already put this into our minds. They've already conditioned us to be good and do what they're we're supposed to do and then to see to gauge is a litmus test to gauge who's going to do what and now some real bodies need to drop and i do think that in what they've been talking about from the beginning that the second wave we will see bodies drop from something and and there's a i can go down a lot of woo on this from stuff that was being placed in the tear gas canister at all the riots around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and so at some point, you know, enough people are saying, where are the numbers? So where's the math? Show me the math. Show me the math. Well, it is possible now that, that there could be some casualties to this particular phase of the war. So you're saying, and it's a, yeah, it's a valid theory. I'll tell you. I'm saying it's a Trojan horse. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't want to believe that to be true, but we, I believe it's true. Honestly, I think they're going to try. The question is the question, because I believe that's the agenda. They're going to make, at the very least, they're going to make it seem worse. Remember um, Gates is a eugenicist. Yes. Yes. They're already but making I, it seem worse. I mean, look thing that's going to wipe out it's going to be helping because he said that himself he's like vaccines are a tool that we can use to help reduce population yeah, yes right so yeah, I think he's he said use, these are his words people yeah i didn't say it he said it uh he said it many times and also you just got to look at the actions that these people take they say things but then just look at the actions it says everything um but you're right and we have to be aware of that and that's why i was bringing up to people i didn't want to freak everybody out by I just did a little fire, I do these little fireside chats sometimes and I just pull up stuff and read it out to people and give my take. And I was doing one where I was talking about this whole Kawasaki like virus that they might be seeding the media with. Um, and then, but I see numerous things. I see that now with the Australia lockdown, all they needed to do was say there was just some more coronavirus. So I think they're testing populations right now to see, hey, when we say boo, do you jump and give us more of your freedom and amalgamate into the Borg we're creating? Or do you kind of still, you're not spooked. They're testing to see what they can get away with. Yeah. If it's not working that they, so they, they want to get from A to Z. If they can't get to Z using the lie version of the virus, then they absolutely could unleash something real. Um, the only thing I would say that maybe makes me take pause on them doing that. And maybe this is just me trying to be optimistic, but let's just think about it. Is that, They've had the ability to wipe us out for quite a long time. They've had super viruses and all kinds of weaponized Ebola strains. And even in China, they're like the kings of taking bats out of caves and grabbing viruses and making weaponized viruses out of them and stuff like that, right? Um, so I'm like, they could have wiped us out at great numbers and fulfilled the prophecy of the Georgia Guidestones of 500 million or whatever, right? They could have done that. Why didn't they? Why haven't because they? Why are they waiting? I have a caveat a here. 
There's no, I don't think any of this is about money. I think we go above money at some point. And uh, it certainly is money for people that hit to the capstone and then the capstone and below, but this is above that. I think in the end, there is an idea of ritual timing here. And I do believe with the, with the idea of the apparent procession of the equinoxes, i.e. we just ended the Piscean one, which was the, the Christ consciousness one, and we're moving into this new one. And we look at the dynamics and uh, structure of ritual. And one of the ideas is, of course, the circle idea, squaring the circle and the axiom of Mariah. And then we start to lay out, well, what do we need? Blood in and blood out. And we start looking at the 322 and we start looking at these other orders that come into play. And, and not just here in the new world, going back to the dragon families, moving over into ancient India and uh, the early stuff in in England and there's a bigger picture here I think at play with the timing I think timing's everything and CERN is playing a big part in this with the optics of ritualistic theater upon the people of the world well, they, we do know that they move ritualistically. I mean, just go watch the Olympic openings, you know, the ceremonies, the <laughs> NFL half Super Bowl half times and all this. How about that um, tunnel in uh, Switzerland or Germany? Remember that? What was that? Sorry. The tunnel, the ceremony they had before the tunnel opening between Germany and France or Germany. And Switzerland. Oh yeah. The recent one is, is amazing. I, forget, I, forget what I can't was. recall either, Jerry, you should be able to pull I'll, it up. I'll find though, right? it. Yeah. So you're thinking, yeah, and that's, I mean, it's plausible. We get to the level where they're like, well, we want to do it on a certain date with a certain timing. It has to be done. Oh, I guess yeah. what I'm thinking is that, and my God, let's hope that's not true. But either way, what if they need us to a certain degree? Now, they, they don't need a billion of us. Of us. Yeah, they, they, want to, they want to thin out the herd, right? I think they're starting with the elderly. I think that's what they're looking for with phase one. Um, you know, trying to get rid of the, this is eugenics. You get rid of the sick and needy, you get rid of the wheat, you know, the, this is what they want to do. Um, they, there's a reason for all the push for so many years leading up to this for the mass movement of populations, like mass migration. They needed to take people out of certain areas of the planet and put them and jam them into other areas of the planet. Yes. Um, and there's a rearranging happening. You can definitely see that. Um, I guess the only because that's a plausible thing that we have to be watching out for. And man, like, how would we even stop something like that? The only thing I can hope on and what I get up every day to do is to show people what's happening right now. And if we can show them that we've been led down this path and lied to from the beginning about this virus and this lockdown, and then open their eyes to other things going on. Um, and really open up the doors of like the Epstein's and the Ghislaine Maxwell's and the Hollywood's and all that. And really tell people, this is beyond money, my friends. This is bigger. Yes. This is yes. If we can expose that stuff, I think that's going to be a really quick skip and a jump for people to just go, I don't want any of this. And I'm just, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that I can't believe that evil is the only force at work in the world that um, ignorance is the only plague that we have to, like there's, there are people waking up 
And um, while I'm fully aware of that as a concept, and you're, you're probably right, um, I think that we have to stay optimistic in at least doing what we can do right now, which is to alert as many people as possible to some of the stuff we've been talking about. You skip the ancient alien stuff and jump right to- Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> just go right to the facts and go, let's, <laughs> let's go to World Economic Forum right now. Let's go see what they're saying. Let's go to where you- Do you know what's in those vaccines? Do you realize that by having those masks on, you're killing brain cells and you're having all this, you're breathing in your own CO2. You keep it on the basic level for people to at least start to question the big narrative so that if there is a real thing or even something that's made to look like a real thing, mm -hmm. um, at least more people are going to be aware that this didn't just happen because of the virus mutating, that this was something that they've been working on for a while. And also never forget, it's also election year. So yes. there's possibility Timing. that things might mm -hmm. shift after November. <laughs> we'll see. Absolutely. These are, these are all, I, I am constantly trying to remind people to stay, to keep the, the frequency high. And uh, because this is, this is, this is part of how we do escape out of this is a high frequency and to not get caught down into uh, the fear side and down into these lower frequencies. And so, and part of that is when we started the show, why, why I asked if you had had uh, you, you know, any levels of, of um, you know, possible fear or paranoia, there have, I'm not at all, I'm completely a grounded person. And during this, I, in the wee hours, and this is when you're generally alone with yourself, although I do live a monastic life, so I don't deal with people, period, for years, a decade. Uh, and I have felt that creeping in, and I wondered what, what that's about is this connected to uh you know i've been playing around with that not listening to anything in the day not having wi-fi on not having any of that and and it'll creep in not you know just messing around how i've how i've learned to do anything and i've noticed doesn't matter the circumstances right now it seems to be electrified in the air for whatever reasons and wow. there's a lot there to chew on right and amazing uh, and as a person that's not, I'm not a paranoid person at all. And I am definitely not a fearful person. Definitely not. Thank you to internal martial arts and union psychology. Uh, but there is something bigger going on here. And I do think all of us know this now at this point. And whatever level you're on, there are doorways always. There are gateways out of what appears to be a room with no door and, and gateways out that are not into a, a, another room of hell or another padded inter, internal cell gate room gateways out into better vibrations we are what we eat correct we right. are what we think we we are co-creators here and so that's a message i like to always remind people of because we do dive into the darker side of this experience we're having and at the moment that does seem to be taking center stage you said that so well um and as you were talking i have to tell you that i've felt the same way i've i'm not a scared i don't get scared easy <clears throat> i'm not a paranoid person i've looked at some of the darkest things for a long time not obsessively but i've skipped around i've definitely and it, it never it would, I would definitely feel the humanity of it and the horribleness of it, but it would never stay with me. And I think that maybe the sense of impending doom or the sense of 
this is not something that's over yet. Even if I try to distract myself from it, it's still, there's still the lockdown, there's still the stuff happening. So, and because you're an empathic sensitive person, you're going to have that spike all the time. But I also believe that there's something beyond that. And just a quick story that I could share. I shared it in a recent episode we did on the underworld, which I know you guys want to talk about a bit, but I, it was a couple nights ago, or maybe it's been about five nights now. Um, I was sitting alone in the wee hours, must've been around, I want to say around midnight or one o'clock in the morning or something. And I was by myself, just, uh, I was reading a book or I can't remember what it was I was doing now, but I was just kind of chilling out and I stood up and out of nowhere, I just felt, I felt like someone was watching me and that there was the presence of something very dark. And I'm like, it it, it felt like icicles around me. I had goosebumps. I felt very, I felt just suddenly like, oh, I feel horrible. Like I just, not physically, just mentally and spiritually. I was like, oh. And then I felt afraid. And I started having this fear like, is someone out in the backyard? Are they going to try to break in? I've I've been talking about a lot of pretty crazy stuff. Is someone here to whack me? Like, Am I, is someone, is someone casting a spell on me or something like it? And I don't know where these, even the thoughts, these were the reactions to this feeling. And I'm like, what the, I'm just paranoid. And I do, I hadn't smoked. I hadn't drank anything. I was in a normal state of mind. Um, and it just, it was overwhelming. And I started to feel like I was tearing up. I started feeling emotional. I was like, oh my God, I feel heavy. I feel afraid. I feel sad. And I thought, well, maybe it's just some con, some psychological content that I wasn't dealing with. I didn't do some shadow work or something and it, it's just coming up and maybe that's all it was, but it felt different than that. And then all of a sudden something happened. I noticed that my posture was very concave. It wasn't like, wasn't up like this. And I had this rush of a memory of a recurring dream. If you guys want to talk about some dreams, I'll tell you a dream. I had a recurring dream when I was a child. It's one of the, earliest dreams I can remember. And I had it until about the age of 10. And it would be a little bit different every time. But it was of me and I can, I can see it exactly in my mind as I'm telling you this. Um, I was in my house, where I grew up in London, Ontario. And there was a little, you know, stairs to go down to the basement. And in this dream, I'd be walking down the stairs. And as I was walking down the stairs, it was as if the shadows of the walls would start to come up to meet me. And I would keep going down, I would keep going down. And I was so petrified of what I was going to see in the basement, in the dream. And I would, I would go in and I would, I would force myself to go. I remember this feeling of force myself to go. And it's like, I couldn't resist seeing what it was, but I was terrified of it. And I would look and my entire basement was empty. There was nothing in there. Just the posts and the ceilings looked exactly the same. And then there was a little window where the, you know, just a little basement window and there was a little light coming in. And I remember walking in and when I would turn to look around the doorway, I remember always feeling the same, the the hackles on my back would raise. I would look and I was always afraid I wasn't going to see, and I would never see anything, but all of a sudden the room would go dark and then a light would shine through the window, the basement window and illuminate the whole room. And I felt a rush in the dream of like, it was like, light coming out of me, like, like right out of the center of my chest. And like, I remember feeling like I was levitating and I felt like, I felt super like 
I don't know what to say. I just felt like super illuminated or powerful or something. And, but that terrified me. That feeling was what I was afraid of, but then it was what saved me from the fear. And that, that was the weird thing about the dream. And I'd have this recurring dream all my childhood. Fast forward to this moment I'm telling you about. I hadn't thought about that dream in a, like in a long time. And as I felt this dark presence or this icky thing or whatever it was, I had a stone cold, clear vision of this dream in my mind. And I did in the dream, or I did in, in real life, what I did in the dream, which was to stand up and just be like, I'm not afraid. It's like in home alone. It's like, I'm not afraid anymore. I don't know what it is. It's just, I said, I'm not afraid. I choose not to be afraid. And I would just, I stood in my living room and I had this feeling and all of a sudden the dynamic shifted. And I literally felt like strands of something were being pulled off me. I, I'm, this is crazy, but it went on for 20 minutes and I felt these currents. I felt like this pulsing going up my spine, like just like almost like you're revving a lawnmower or something. And I, I just, it, it pushed away all this dark feeling that I had, this fear that I had. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I sit down, my wife's asleep. I have nobody to talk to about this. And I went, well, this is a personal dark night of the soul thing. This is something that is either I put off some psychological content that I needed to deal with, um, or this was some kind of energetic psychic attack or something, or there's real ghosts are real or something. I don't know. I, I started thinking about all the possibilities, um, but whatever it was, it was encased in fear. And then I had this flashback of this recurring dream I had as a kid and I, it worked in real life and then the fear was gone. So that was just a weird experience that I had. We were talking about fear and sleep and all that. And I got to say, I've slept like a baby ever since. And there was a, I realized after that experience, I had tension in my neck, like in my throat chakra, my uh, upper chest, and in the middle of my back, I had this tension there. And I was probably because I'm sitting over computers or whatever. But I think that's also anxiety, where it's like background anxiety that's just there. It's just this angst, this hangering angst. And um, you sometimes don't even notice you have it until it's gone. And after this moment, this 20-minute moment, um, I felt like, like everything just went back into place. Like it was like going to the chiropractor and just having someone go, okay, you're back together again. And I haven't felt like that ever since. So whatever the hell that was, it was subconscious and energetic. And that's my this story. is this is such a key thing and a probably a good place to wrap on as well is internal structure in, in the our structuring of our our posture and how it can change everything. Right. It, it literally aligns us. And you know this as a martial artist, and a lot of people know this. And I find that such a, a significant aspect of uh, the dream experience you bring forth. And thank you for that, by the way. I love weaving the dreams. Oh, <laughs> I love that stuff so much. It's so important. And can't that state of mind, that state, that realm, that place is so key to everything. And I, I want to put that forward to people too. Remember your structural integrity. Yes. 
try to remind yourself to put those shoulders back and get a center line. And uh, it really changes everything. I, I had gone through this period and I had stopped exercising for a while and I was, um, I'm back on track and all that, but I, I had, I hadn't realized how, how devastating that was to my overall composition to have stopped sweating to have stopped uh, stretching the all the acids and the muscles and getting them out, and then the bone integrity. In, in as much time as all of us in this world at this point spend on computers, the uh, the slumping all of a sudden comes. It's so, and I've always had amazing posture. It's one of the things I'm proud of. My mother just hounded that in me. And I found myself during this particular period slumping a lot. And so that was one of the things that I did tie into my overall disposition on top of being a filter for the collective energy as I am, but that, that was key. I'm so thankful you brought that up. Oh, and thanks for that. I like how you said that, that internal architecture, the internal structure um, to get that aligned. Cause we always think in physical terms only, we think illnesses are only physical. We think our, everything's physical and there's a huge physical component. We get into the somatic intelligence and all that, but yeah. you're not just physical you are multidimensional and you have mm -hmm. to take care of yourself. And just like you need to keep a good physical posture that also aligns your psychological posture. And yes. it, it's a, there's breathing exercises you can do and movement exercises. You can, like you said, stretching the lactic acid and all that, uh, the sweating and also the touching other human yes. beings oh. around other people. Like I'm so grateful. I live in a place where I'm surrounded by people that are uh, not, uh, freaking out with hysteria contagion right now. They are uh, having some little campfires, small groups of people getting together. Kids are playing together, uh, you know, and we're lucky. Oh, yeah, and the laughter. The laughter, the joking, the, the, yes. the you know, breaking each other's balls a little bit and having some fun <laughs> and watching some, you know, this doing this. This is, I, this is what I do, guys. Uh, sometimes <laughs> if you, I can't get out there and I can't always talk to people about this kind of stuff. So I started a radio show. I started this project. I get on shows with great people like you and we have these amazing conversations. And even though it's through technology, it's better than nothing. It's and connection. We've got to connect in any way we can. Absolutely. So I just wanted to bring up two things about your experience reminded me one of a Kundalini awakening. Yes. So that was one aspect. The other aspect about the cutting the cords. So do you felt the release right if right. you've ever worked with an energy healer or whatnot that's what they do that's what they focus on is looking at your aura if you will your etheric body mm. and where you have energetic connections and these would be cords if you will to things that are siphoning off your energy or that are they're attached to your etheric body and that influences you in certain ways because it's putting pressure on this and that part of your you know your energy body so when you threw that off and you relieved yourself of all that, it's called negative energy, for lack of a better word, you felt better immediately. And that's kind of the whole energy healing process. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I never thought, uh, yeah, sometimes these things happen and you just, you're kind of like, I, I don't even know how to explain what that is. And I've read stories of people that can do this. And mm -hmm. I, I went, I had a good experience with somebody that did, um, some Qigong on me. Mm -hmm. uh, no, not Qigong, sorry. Uh, Reiki. Reiki. They did Reiki. And it was 
it was amazing that this person never touched me. This was when I was probably 17. She never touched me once, but I felt as if she was holding a hot iron over my entire body and I could feel it moving. And I was actually like, wow, that's hot. Are you close to me with some kind of a light or a lamp or something? Like it was that crazy. And then this person started telling me stuff about my mom and my history, my connection to my parents and my, my story. I'm like, where I didn't even, I just met this person. <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> and they were just telling me, and I'm like, how are you reading? This is kind of freaky. You're kind of reading me right now. Um, oh, you so should this is what out. we're giving up is this, this natural, you have all the things that technology is trying to offer us, which yes, it lightens the load and it can be great, but never forget, we have the ultimate technology built into the fiber of our being. We were given this gift. The ancient Egyptians used to worship the human form. They made yes. venerations out of yes. it and carved it into monuments. Um, it's, a, it's a product of nature. It's a product of the divine. The kingdom of heaven is within. You're not going to get the kingdom of heaven downloaded into your brain like Neo. Uh, if you want to learn jujitsu, by the way, people are like, wouldn't it be cool? You could just say, I want to learn jujitsu and it's downloaded right in. Then I know jujitsu. I'll take on any of those computer learned <laughs> jujitsu any day of the week. And I'll tell you why. That kind of knowledge is earned through yes. blood, sweat, tears, trials, <laughs> yes. tribulations, discipline, failure, and success. And you know why? Even if, you th even if they can make a bunch of robots, life is, you have to derive meaning from the struggle. That's what life is. Derive yeah. meaning from the struggle. If you take all the struggle out of life, and you just make it so convenient for everything, um, then you're taking meaning out of life. If you take yeah. pain out of life, you eliminate pleasure. Like people don't, they don't understand when you censor and bubble tape and nerf the world, you destroy the world. You destroy everything that's good in it. You know, that's what's happening. That's exactly that's what's happening. happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And we got to stop it. <laughs> or at least try, at least throw a couple arrows in their direction. Okay. Just do we that. can do this. I, I believe we can. Enough of us can. Well, I keep ending my latest shows and I was doing some little um, posts on just trying to inspire people and wake them up. And I would start ending it with like positive hashtags, like, you know, truth wins, freedom wins, you win, we win, like positivity. I'm trying to be like a coach. If I was in your corner and you were fighting the fight of your life, you wouldn't want me in there telling you all like, oh, you're just getting beat up. You need someone to smack and go, look, there's that, you know, you can win. You look at all the training we did. Look at how, how long we put into this. You, you can do better and you need someone that's going to motivate you. So I'm trying to be a combination of a realistic voice for people that's not trying to run and hide, uh, bring back the warrior tradition. I think it's needed. Yes. Bring back the philosophy, the deep thinking, the strong side of things. Um, toughen our skin a little bit and then also motivate us and rally us together and find real unity. This is something yes. I've been talking about lately is they're trying to use the terms like sustainable development and bring it all together. <laughs> it's like, no, no, they're talking about totalitarian control. That's yes. different. We're talking about unity with other empowered individuals who you respect their freedom and they respect your freedom. And um, if we have real unity with family, with community, with our nation, with our world, with nature, yes. with the cosmos, that's unity. And you don't need Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum and the Davos, Switzerland, Bilderberg, Kissinger motherfuckers to run it. <laughs> the universe is intelligent enough and it's already given us all the equipment to do it ourselves. And so um, I'm, I'm for freedom 
and I'm for protecting each other's freedom and also learning how we can protect ourselves from anything, what diseases. And there's a whole history, like you were talking about Nisha there, about, about like, we can go back. The ancients have so much to give us. Why did we throw that all in the basket and throw it out into the, into the fire? Why are we not resurrecting oh, great minds? Why aren't we listening to people like Erish, you know, the, the, there's so many great thinkers and people out there that have told us how to end disease for all time. Like there's ways we could live where there wouldn't be these diseases ravaging the planet. Um, and we can live in a vibration of love and freedom instead of fear and depression and control. And so that's what I'm trying to bring to people. And guys, I got to say, this has been a talk that uh, I hope benefits other people, but it's benefited me. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed uh, chatting with you guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you. It, it's, it's just as great over here on this. Side. Oh yeah. This has been a great joy. And I just wanted to wrap on, on that thought is that and everyone knows this about me, but this, it, the, we, you have to do the work on your own. It's hard work and it's internal work. That's where it starts. So there's no airy fairiness to this. This, the, the, there's a sense sovereignty is earned. It's a self earned thing. Agency within self is earned and you get it by the crunch. You get it by doing the hard work. It's not given to you. And if it's not given to you and you earn it, then you want it and you want to maintain it because it keeps you in a state of health. And with that, we greet others in the world. That's so powerful. I hope everybody was listening take some notes and I'll just add a great quote from Gurdjieff that echoes exactly that. He says, without self-knowledge, without understanding the working and functions of his machine, man cannot be free. He cannot govern himself and he will always remain a slave. Oh, how Gurdjieff. Yeah. Right. So yes, <laughs> take that on a, put that in your pipe and smoke it and uh, <laughs> think about it. And I, I, I think that we have to believe that we can get through this. We have to believe that there's a bigger plan, even bigger than the dark plan. There's something bigger going on and we have to operate as such, but also do the work in ourselves to bring about the solution in our own personal lives. And that will cause domino effects around us and create a better frequency for us to operate in. So um, that's all I got for tonight, guys, but that was amazing. And I, I, look forward to sharing this out and supporting your show and staying in touch and we'll have right. to do this again. Well, thank you, David. And I put links to all your podcasts and YouTube channel and stuff uh, in the show notes. So everyone should oh, you're the man. Thank definitely you. subscribe to him. And they're also in the video description. And I wanted to thank you once again. It's been a great conversation. And I also want to thank the super chatters we got, especially. Oh, my God. We've got super chatters. <laughs> yeah. Mr. A yes. came, Good like, went you. over the top with the super chats. Oh, Mr. A, I love you. You're so wonderful. We love you very much. Thank you so much for that. You paid, like, all our bills for a year so. <laughs> oh, Mr. A, you're always so kind. I always appreciate that. So um, thank you again, everyone, for listening. And next week we have Anax Mente with Von Weehunt, a radio show host that Nish found. Oh, he's got a great show. It's going to be kind of a mix of Nox Mente and the Obelisks. Yeah, so we, we expect might be, it to doing that more, right, Jer? Yes, we might be mixing these two shows into one podcast. So <laughs> just heads up, everybody. I don't think anyone's going to have a problem with that, but you know. Keep you your do, knees weak. Everything changes. Put, put aspirin <laughs> between your knees. All right. And it's it's just definitely been a great honor, David Whitehead, yes. to have you with us. And I, okay. I hope you can 
come back and join us again. Yeah, very much. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Right. We're in this together, as they always say. Um, and so I'm an ally here. You can contact me anytime and I'll do it anytime. Right, the right. rock light is on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a wrap, guys. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.